Damn it, I don't know what it is about your face, but I want to deliver one of these right in your suck hole. Is there anything I can do to work on that? No, so you not wouldn't... really. It's your face. And I, again, you know, you're doing great, man. This is the Kettling Wine. Yeah. We're all having a great time. Everybody's having fun. You pulled it off, all right? But if you don't change your face, I'm going to change it for you. Okay. Okay. All I can do is take that in and consider it, and I'll just try to do my best version of whatever I think that would be. I, I don't even hear what you're saying right now because your face okay. is driving me okay. nuts. Okay. Thanks again, though. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is uh, one of your hosts, Neil, and joining me always is Soulbro and Chris. Guys, say something. What's up, gang? How y'all doing tonight? Something. Something. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is episode 132 of Gundam. We are open for business, unlike many things in the U.S. right now, but we are open for business. Ooh. And uh, Government and this- burn. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Obvious. Hey, man. Um, <laughs> That's my job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to interject. I know what you're talking about. Hey, man, no uh, intellect. No intellect, son. That's, you, don't, you won't get that from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, mad unsubtle, but continue, Okay. Sir. Okay. Um, but, yes, uh, this is episode 132, and in this episode, we are going to have one of our world-famous extended episodes. Yes, more than 30, less than an hour and a half. Yes, that's what we're saying. <laughs> it's going to be somewhere in between there, so it's going to be classified as extended by uh, the UN. The UN has set these parameters down, Peter. These are This is extended. <laughs> this is what it is. So, uh, in this one, we are going to be catching up with something we have not spoken to and a person who we have not spoken with in a long time. And we're going to be doing some Gundam Wing manga, and we're going to be joined by uh, Mecha Talk and MHQ's own uh, Armuro NT. We haven't heard from him in, gosh, I don't know how long. And probably at least what a year or so. I think we spoke to him. Did we speak with him during Akito the Exile, the first one? Yes. Yep. Yes, we did. So hey, about, was the about last a year ago, on, I believe. Yeah. That's what I thought. And uh, we are going to be covering in this uh, extended, extended, extended uh, episode of Gundam Wing Manga. We're going to be dealing with Episode Zero, Ground Zero, Blind Target, Battlefield of the Pacifist, and uh, Mobile Suit Wing, or Gundam, Last Outpost, or G-Unit, as it was uh, called in Japan. So uh, we'll be talking about some of our lowlights or highlights. And uh, anyone have a guess on which one Soul Bro didn't read? <laughs> this is a little game all the listeners can play. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Find Jeez, out. I don't know. Find out next. No, take, take next the time on Gundam. How did Solbro not prepare? <laughs> next time on Gundam. Oh, Solbro not prepared for a show. That Solbro throwback. <laughs> so he's so, back, yeah. gang. <laughs> so yes, everyone, play that game at home while you're listening to this episode. And joining 
as I'm walking over, I'm sauntering over to the Larry King Memorial News Desk in the goddamn news tower. That's decorated with uh, a Will McAvoy Emmy? No, no. It's it's decorated with a big, huge propaganda poster of uh, Lord King himself. Off in the corner, you'll see the tomes. The tomes are there, ready to protect, because this is a robo-proof studio. Robo-proof studio. And his his suspenders are hanging from the rafters. (laughs) Yes, it's kind of like you would... uh, yeah, retire a basketball player's jersey. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yes. Good one. <laughs> so here we are now for some Neos listener submitted news articles. And you can always submit these in the Mecha Talk forum under the Gundam section and uh, under the Neos listener submitted news articles thread. And the first one here comes from M121 Akuma. Oh my god. And this is going to be some get up and dance soul bro. It's time for the PS4 and the reason why it's saying that Namco Bandai or Namkey Bandy Games is saying that uh, they've announced that a PlayStation 4, yes, not the 3, but the 4 game that's going to be inspired by the Mobile Suit Suit Gundam Mecha Anime is currently in development. So um, we don't know when this is going to be uh, coming to fruition. Basically, uh, they they had a press conference saying they're going to showcase the Gundam games through the years. So uh, we'll keep you posted as these... Mobile Ops confirmed! Mobile (laughs) Ops 2! Thank you, Mr. M121 Akuma. And I'm just going to give a little bit, uh, a, a little razzing here. EA Net, dude, you had a surveyed news alert. Michael Bay. Yes, you did. But you did not link your news properly. So oh, no. denied. Den- yes, denied. Oh, my God, that's bullshit. What the f- so the next one is harsh. Yes. Well, I mean, hey, I got to keep these guys in line. The next one here is from POTUS, and it says, this is robot apocalypse news. Cue it, soul bro. Oh. Cue the alarms. I'll be back. Robot apocalypse news. Here the we go. robots now, and this is from discovery.com, some brainy robots are now getting artificial muscles to kill us with. Yes, they not only have artificial intelligence, they're going to have metal bodies. Now they're going to have uh, muscles to kill us all with. So once again, so basically humans, Ultron. Yes. <laughs> unite. Unite. Do not fall prey to the robot menace. Do not mm-hmm. fall prey to the robot menace. Thank you, Mr. Protus, for your submission. Oh, the next one here. It comes from Philly Gundam fan. And I don't think he, I think he's a new poster. He must be because I don't recognize this guy's stuff here. Well, oh, he's been around for a while, but <laughs> it's well, not just maybe in the news. Yeah. Well, it's, not- it's post zero what I'm looking at. So, yeah, uh, there's some bugs on the, uh, oh, forum. Was this an admission? Is this a mission that the Mechatalk forums are not the way they should be <laughs> represented? Um, no. Oh, man. Stop putting Mechatalk. No. <laughs> uh, yes, no. The first one here is from Philly Gundam Fan, and he's got some cool stuff here. And I'm just going to uh, just go to his uh, 
his post here. He's got some cool concept art for Gundam Bill Fighters. It's going to air in October seventh of this year in Japan. That's the new. That's the new. Um, the new show. And he's got some links to the Gundam guy. It was oh, and look at the freaking gun tank. Oh my god, it looks awesome. Even though it's got the RX seventy eight on it, but you know, hey, what are you going to do? But thank you, Mister Philly. Trash it because it's garbage. Hey, 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 hey! Oh my god! Oh Jesus! This is all. Oh, and it comes from a evil Australian. And I think this is not only an evil Australian, it's Vet Noir, the most evil of them all. I think he is, like Chris, going to be a robo-lover. Because he has a link here to, a, to an article saying that dogs, the way that we were going to identify the robots and the Terminators, we've seen this in the tomes, it doesn't matter. They can't figure out if you're a robot or a human. Damn you, damn you canines, why have you let us down? This is awful. I, I must go. I must go t- and rewrite the tomes. I must go and do some reading tonight to, uh, to see what's going on. Yes. Well, it's, well, the, uh, we'll come up with some robot dogs to, co- the, the, to combat the robot menace, man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Then we'll De- be doubly effed. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. So thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for actually putting me into uh, DEFCON 5. Thank you for that. I will let the Admiral, Sir Bay, and Lord King know. Uh, we're going to have to unite here. I'm going to have to send out the uh, the uh, the robo the robo killing signal through a maglite. Sweet. Yes. So thank you for that. Next one here comes from Gundam Type Zero, and this comes from the Anime News Network. And it looks like uh, the Star Driver team is going to be making a robot TV anime called Captain Earth. Yes, it's been announced. That this is, uh, it's going to have uh, Star Driver's director and the series script supervisor are going to be, and they're going to be making a robot television anime called Captain Earth. And uh, I wonder if his menace will be Captain Planet. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll keep you posted on that. Thank you, Mr. Gundam Type. Which would be awesome if it's Don Cheadle. Yes, yes, it, it would. W- yeah, it would be. Human tree, human tree. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Gundam Type Zero, for your submission. Oh, my God. And this is kind of appropriate. Uh, The next one here comes from Wielder. Mm -hmm. And remember a little show called Code Geass Akito the Exile? Remember, like, uh, decades ago when we saw the first (laughs) episode? Well, uh, the official website for uh, Akito the Exile is going to begin streaming seven minutes of action scenes from the second volume on Saturday. And the second installment... Uh, of the series is going to be opening in Japanese theaters on the same day. So, uh, yeah, guys, any thoughts on that? So, so we get to see a little sampling before we actually get to watch the full episode, maybe uh, two years from now. Yes, yes. Nice, Chris. Any, any, uh, any vile or venom that you have to, to throw at this, or just no, no. Okay, thank you, Mister Wheeler, for your submission. Oh, the next one here. Oh, the next one here comes from... This one comes from my new nemesis, arch nemesis, Robo Lizard 222. And this... He says because right he's here, a robo-lizard? Are you, are you discriminating? He says, this should come in handy someday. But, but, but he goes, Chris needs one of these. And this is how they're going to trick you. There is a robot bartender that knows when you're going to drink. 
And this puts me in a quandary because it's like I would love a robot bartender because it would, <laughs> would make things a lot easier, just like a Roomba. But you know what? This is the paradox I don't want to go in. I don't want a Roomba here and I don't want a robot bartending because next thing you know, my feet are going to get sucked off and a robot's going to try to shake me in a freaking martini glass. This is not a good thing. Chris, your and thoughts? And I know the robot won't try to poison you. Yeah, that too. Yes, yes. And of course, researchers at Belfit University in Ger- Germany are working on the joint action multimodal embodied system called James. Oh my God, they even give him like a nice name. Because you hear like the name James and you're thinking, oh, he's probably, you think of like James May, some bumbling idiot that's going <laughs> to drink. But no, he interprets gestures and body language to determine when you're ready for another pint. Oh, this is not good. Oh my God. And they've already been doing live human testing with this. And uh, the robot is picking up on this. And this is dangerous. So dangerous. Thank you, Mr. Robo Lizard. Uh, 222 for your submission because now I know what to look out for. So next one here uh, comes from uh, Silver August. And this is from the Gundam Guy post. And uh, there there was a little survey done in Japan. And it was ranking the 10 most popular master grade uh, Gundam models. So uh, guys, you you, uh, have any thoughts of what number one is? Um, Jester Gundam. Um, The Strike? No. No, no, no. You know what? We're going to start from number 10. The first, uh, it's going to be the Master Grade uh, RX-78-2. Number 9 is the uh, RX-78-2 Gundam uh, 2.0. Oh. Uh, 8 is the Don't. Uh, 7 is the RX-78-2 uh, Gundam 3.0. Jesus. Uh, 6 is the good old Strike Freedom Gundam. 5, Full Arm Unicorn. 6, Zeta Gundam 2.0. Uh, 3, Tornado Gundam. And number 2 is the EXS Gundam. And number one is the Master Grade New Gundam version Kai. So uh, any, any thoughts of that? Any, any, anything that you'd like to put in there? Uh, I'd like to put in the uh, gun tank, but, you know, hey, what do I, you know? It, 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 the list could have used more RX-78s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. God, it already had three. It's like, my God. Well, um, you know. <laughs> outside of that, they, they named some pretty good ones. Uh, Amazed this, uh, the Strike Nord didn't make it, but uh, then again, I, I guess that, that suit doesn't agree with everybody. No, it doesn't. Oh. The general likes that. He does. I agree with him. Thank you, Mr. O- Silver August, for your submission. Next one here. Oh, sound the alarm, Soul Bro. Sound the alarm. Survey News Alert. Michael Bay. Survey News Alert. Oh, shit. This is a link from Rodimus76, and I'm just going to say just go to his link because there's a linked image of teenage mutant alien ninja turtles and their sewer lair. Yes. Yes. The, <laughs> The, the, oh, the, the, ruining the, my childhood. Yes, oh. the movie that will kill countless childhood, millions of childhoods. With the millions. Yes, Sir Bay's classics is, and it shows some cool stuff there. Yep, see, you see the lair. I think I see pizza boxes. And remember, this is due out on June 6, 2014. Oh, D-Day. Yep. It's a, it's, a, it's a day that will live in infamy. No, I don't think that was D-Day, but whatever. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. Ooh, we have some dead guy news. We haven't oh. had this in a while. And this comes from Zero, the Masked Knight. And I don't know this person, but maybe you guys do. Mm-hmm. It says here that Star Wars and Star Trek author A.C. Crispin has passed away. Oh. You guys know who this is? 
I've yes. Heard of him passing. Okay. I've never read any of it. Yeah, it says though. here he died. He was uh, died. It's, uh, it's a her. Oh, oh, <laughs> the, the oh, A is for Anne. Okay. My, my uh, uh, it's, she died age 63 of cancer. Too bad this. And uh, she wrote about um, more than 20 novels, including uh, many of the ones in, in the Star Wars, uh, Star Trek, and even the Pirates in the Caribbean stuff. So, uh, yeah. Any, um, any, anything that you've read, Chris, or anything of note that you might want to pass on to the folks out there? I read uh, one of her Star Trek books. Uh, it's about Sarek. It's a, it's a pretty good story. So worth, uh, worth a read. And probably worth more now that she's dead. So damn. Well, you gotta hey, you just call me Anime Gordon Gecko. I mean, come on. <laughs> she pulled a uh, she pulled a DC Fontana on me. I'm thinking <laughs> because of the initials, I m- the mind immediately goes to dude. But um, why do you uh, think that's the that that's it's that's no coincidence. It's 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 some it's some foolishness on my part is what it is. And um, it's, it's called planned. <laughs> well, um, may she rest in peace. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that happen to her. Yes. And like I said, one person's death is another person's profit in eBay. So there you go. Thank you, Mr. Zero the Mass Knight, for your submission there. Uh, next one here. Ooh, comes from the second most evil Australian ever. Oh. Flaga. And he says, he's. I think there's a battle in Australia because he says, I'm going to scoop Vet Noir on this one for once. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a battle. There's a battle in Queensland that's going to happen, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying did, did he get to the prison computer first is that how he's scooping him <laughs> I, 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 I i think so <laughs> i think so he, he, did he bribe he, a guy he, with some smokes to get out first to the he, to the prison library he, he he was there he was there he was able to have enough time to wait for netscape 2.0 to connect at the prison computer <laughs> netscape yes and it says here <laughs> Mad Men entertainment is going to release Surbase Classic Transformers 4 for Australia and New Zealand. Yes. Yes. So all the Australians, as they're sitting in their prison cells, will be able to watch Surbase Classic next year. Well, and, hold on. Hold on. Actually, uh, this is Oh, that? released uh, four. Oh, uh, how dare you? Your you, strange <laughs> Australia language writing. What is going yeah. on here? <laughs> it says, okay, four as in, oh. No tech speak on Neo's listener submitted news article thread, please, mm-hmm. please. It's they're going to be releasing cartoons, and it's going to be including Armada, Energon, Cybertron, and animated in their entirety. So, oh. wow, that's some pretty cool stuff. So, thank you, uh, Mr. Mula Flaga, and I, I hope you win in this battle of the Australians. So, ooh, <laughs> and the Benoir comes back with some gaming news, and I. I think we were talking about this offline with old Mr. Armor MT. The um, the next Gundam Extreme versus arcade game is currently in development, and uh, it's it's the uh, current uh, the franchise's current title, Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme versus Full Boost, debuted in April of, of 2012, and it's been on uh, the uh, PlayStation 3 the following year. And uh, Namco Bandai Games. No, so it has Namco- not been released yet on the PlayStation 3. Oh, is migrating. I'm full sorry. boost. Full boost. It's not out yet. Not not out yet. Thank you, thank you, J. Jonah Jameson, for correcting me on that. <laughs> and uh, they they've uh, you gotta get it right here. Yeah, they. What do you think this is? A rag? Give me some pictures on Spider Man, threat or menace. Damn, why is Come it always on. you and Spider Man? What's up with this? <laughs> with him? Where's Parker so I can fire him? Uh, I don't know where Parker is, but yeah, I think that, you know I, I was kind of thinking uh, Spider Man Parker. They got kind of the same build. You ever notice that, Jacob? <laughs> I don't, I don't care. I just want pictures. <laughs> but there is a three-minute Tokyo Game Show teaser trailer promotional video for the PlayStation 3 version that you can check out. So uh, definitely check that out. And uh, ooh, Bent Noir follows up with 
other news, Aikido, Kogias, Aikido, the Exile number three is slated for next spring. What spring of what year that is? We don't know. Just the next spring that happens. Now it's <laughs> so the the spring of when I when I cash into my um my my uh my my social security. Yes. Is this is this yes. the next spring in like the Seven Kingdoms or the next <laughs> spring like over here? I, you know, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say anything about if this is for us or Westeros. I'm thinking maybe for Westeros. Because <laughs> that that's going to be what, a long like time seven years, something like that. What, that that oh, what is, is, it could be a while. Could be a Westeros while. Westeros spring. Yes. Uh, screenings of the second um, uh, of the second installment's been announced, and they're saying that the third installment will debut next spring. Doesn't say when, but whatever. <laughs> we know that there's going to be a spring sometime soon. Is it going to be a spring closer to where we're at now or later? I don't know. We'll have to ask Emperor Palpatine this one. That sounds like something he uh, uh, he would know. So, oh my God, uh, Vent Noir comes back with another one. I don't even have to close him out. He says he's got a list here of the nine least competent Jedi. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I can't believe you put Qui Gon Jinn in. They put Qui Gon Jinn as number one, but I guess he did get kind of beat up. So, uh, yeah, it's it's got a lot of other things. He did unwittingly set into motion the Doom of the Jedi. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and he I, also, as I'm he, scanning this, that's kind of what they say. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> yeah, he, he drafted Anakin Skywalker. He drafted I mean, Anakin that, Skywalker. Mistake yeah. number one. <laughs> yeah, it's got number two, Med Tendar. Don't know that. Obi-Wan is number three. Yeah, he mm-hmm. screwed up some stuff. Number four is Zim. With the best picture ever next to him of Luke looking into the lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some dumbass kid staring into the barrel of a gun. Number four is Zim. Number five is Yoda. Well, yeah, I guess especially in the prequels because it's like, uh, I feel that I, I've... Uh, Feel disturbance in the force, I do. Um, yeah, he's right there. He's the evil freaking senator guy that's uh, doing the power grab on the whole freaking uh, Galactic Republic. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're so powerful, but you couldn't see what was in front of you. Uh, number six is Elnor Sund. Uh, number seven is Luke Skywalker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> said, the first thing here is Luke had a terrible teacher, so it's no wonder he's the weakest Jedi even by the time of his final duel with, with Vader. <laughs> no super running, no super for jumping, just mild telekinesis, and mostly picked up his lightsaber from across the room to impress small teddy bird people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number eight is uh, Artis. Uh, I believe this is probably from one of the books. And last one is number nine is everyone on the Jedi High Council during the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Actually, I'd like to see the follow-up uh, survey of who are the most competent ones because it'd probably be a very short list. It doesn't sound like any of them are. Holy shit. It looks like you covered everybody. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you guys. Uh, shorter list. Uh, more competent Jedi or more competent GOP representative? Oh, what do you think? What do you think is a shorter list? That's going to be a close-ass heat. Um, <laughs> there's probably some decent Jedi in Knights of the Old Republic, so I'm going to have to go with... Uh, <laughs> Damn. With GOP. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Thank you, Chris, for your political humor. And thank you, Soul Bro, for laughing at it. Um, next one here comes from Rodimus76, and he's got a link here. And we're not going to go too much into it, but there's some cool pictures of that Pat Labor live action movie. So, yeah, definitely you've got some. Not just awesome. a movie, sir. A live action movie. I'm sorry. No, TV series and movie. 
TV oh. series and movie. Kind of like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but Agents of Pat Labor. Wow, so that's... I, I, this is news to me, man. They're Act making it, bitches. Yes, because it's it's the news segments. So wow. it is news to you. It is. It's no, always no, going to be news indeed, to you. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> and it's scheduled to premiere next year in 2014. And there's some pretty cool. There's some pretty cool picks here. You got one where uh, you see the Ingram in the background. Everybody's kind of. It looks like probably the engineering staff are sitting in front of it, probably getting a little, um, you know, a little FaceTime that, you know, a little um, getting used to it. Uh, you can see uh, Zumi and uh, Ota, the, those actors. Well, it's not, it's not actually them. It's, it's new characters who have suspiciously similar names. Yeah, there you oh, go. wow. The interesting uh, thing that should be noted is that um, Shigeru Chiba, who played mm-hmm. uh, the voice of Shige in all of yeah. the anime, yeah. is playing Shige in live action. Awesome. Oh, holy awesome. shit. That is fantastic. And he's basically taking over like the Sakaki role, so he'll be yelling at everyone and being just as crazy as he has in the past, but in live action now instead of animation. Well, let me, ask, let me, let me, let me dare to ask this. Will this live action TV series actually be in the continuity of the anime? Like, will it, will it be like the later generation of, uh, of, of special vehicles? From what I've read, not really. It's... It's third generation of Pat Labor, and it sort of follows the story, but um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I thought I'd ask just to, just to see if I, if they if they were thinking about it at least. Yes. Well, it's a good it's a good question, Soul Broker. Question there. <laughs> but Maybe you'll yeah. find out when you watch it. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I can't wait to see it and review it on Gundam. Yes. There you go. Yes. There you go. Yes, flying to Japan just to watch a TV show. I know, I'm going to watch it on TMN, man, the Methods Network. <laughs> is that a new network? I didn't know I'll that. See, I'll see is you that, Is that available on Time Warner Cable? <laughs> can, can you pre-order things from there? It gets the, all the ratings. All the ratings. <laughs> okay. The Methods Network. The okay. Methods Network. I'll see you there. Did not know about that one. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. Oh, the next one here as we're going down. Oh, Valbrave the Liberator is going to get a sec- the second new TV ad has been streamed. Bet Noir has got a link for that. So if you're a fan of Valbrave the Liberator, because uh, I know all of us are, because we've all seen it, right, guys? Right, right, right? Uh, not necessarily, but... Uh, Yep. Nope. Um, but Bent Noir has got a link there for you to check it out. So thank you, Mr. Bent Noir, and I hope you're doing well in your battle against Mula Flaga for Battle of Queensland, Australia. Uh, He's whipping his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Next one here uh, comes from um, uh, Kaon73, and he's just got a link. There's a new robot-themed restaurant in Tokyo, and when you click on his robot link... Themed. Yes, robot themed. And when you click on it, it, on his link here, it's got a little video that's actually kind of funny. And because uh, it's it's called uh, Robot Battles. Yes, it, it's it's showing people battling robots. And uh, who wins? I call, I call it training. Well, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, is this a pro robot or anti robot cafe? I mean, I think it's robot. I think it's pro robo because I think those Japanese robo. Probo. Yeah, I think the Japanese people like the robots. I got, I'm going to go on a limb on this. I think they like robots. Wow. It looks yeah. like a robot gladiator uh, ring, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I, I can't believe this exists. I just can't. Yeah, believe that, it. That girl with the mace is sexy as hell. I'm just going to say that. Done. And I guarantee you in a year, they'll have that robot bartender there too. And probably yes. a few Roombas to pick up cigarette butts. What is going on here? You must be an investor. No, I'm not. 
<laughs> the best are to see it fail. Oh, there you go. So thank you, Mr. K on 73 for your submission. Uh, next one here is from Mula Fraga, the fighter of old Australia. He's got a link here showing Aquarian Evol's dub cast has been announced. And Yay. Yeah, there you go. And, and, and you see, this is one of Chris's <laughs> favorite shows. Um, so I don't know about out. this one, but I just couldn't get into the original, so... Yeah, I couldn't either. I watched like the first two episodes and I was just like, yikes. So, uh, yeah, could not get into it. So, um, but uh, thank you, Mr. Uh, Mulaflaga, for your submission as I'm, as I'm going down the count. And the next one here comes from Mecton. How much more freaking news is there? He's almost done. I'm almost done. <laughs> He's almost there. Jesus there's lots Christ. of good news. Hey, man, they're, they're... I, I cut out a lot of news. Yeah, he did. He yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good news here. This one I think you're going to like, Chris. So just sit back, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> hey. This is about... Come, come down, this Jesse. Is about iron, this is about man in the can, bitches. Oh, shit. All yeah, right. This is from Mecton GM. He's got a link here, and it says... Robert Downey Jr. I think you guys have heard of him. Maybe, possibly, he owns a life-size flying, uh, radio-controlled Iron Man suit. <laughs> Man, holy shit! Yeah, it says here. Um, it's from IO9. They go reason number one eight seven, which one eight seven is murder on the thing. So I don't. What is? I don't know if this is. Does this have it? Is this a coded message? Um, <laughs> for, the message is to murder Iron Man. <laughs> says that Robert Downey Jr. is pretty much the real-life Tony Stark. He has a six-foot-tall Iron Man armor that can fly, and he can control remotely. To be fair, it probably wouldn't be putting on any uh, bad guy scenes, but it's actually a pretty cool custom-made toy. So um, uh, I guess uh, rcsuperhero.com, one of their designers, designed this ro- uh, remote-controlled Iron Man-shaped uh, plane. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. They got a they got a they got a link here. They got a video too. So uh, definitely check that out. That's some, that's some cool stuff, right, Chris? You like that? You like that? It's the, it's the man in the can. You like the man in the can, don't you? Thank you, Mister Jackdan GM, for your submission. And uh, we got two more here, and we'll make it quick. Next one here is from Vent Noir again. Man, he has got a lot of a lot of internet time this month. I think in the old prison, and uh, it's got the the. The most brutal endings of science fiction and fantasy TV shows, and uh, some of this stuff I don't know. Um, it's it, I guess this is in um, relation to the the Breaking Bad finale, which mm-hmm. you know a lot of people liked, and uh, so they they got a they got a lot of different ones. I guess there's one for Alf. I, d- I never knew Alf actually ended. Sapphire and Steel, Space Island One. I never even heard of some of these. Mork and Mindy, that had an ending? Oh, God. Neo Genesis, Evangelion. Ugh. We're checking it. Talk about Blake 7. Oh, Quantum Leap. That's true. I forgot. Yeah, that's a pretty... That's a pretty yeah. Uh, yeah, I forgot he never made it home. Bittersweet ending, yeah. Yeah, Stargate, Stargate Universe, Merlin, Angel, Being Human UK, The Fades, Space Above and Beyond. Some of these things I've never... Oh, Cowboy Bebop. I think Spike died at the end of that one. I don't know. Well, you uh, lie. You lie. So yeah, just just t- uh, check that out. Some pretty cool stuff. And uh, thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. And we're going to finish up with some Vent Noir. And he's got a link here to the Anime News Network, and it says that Gundam Bill Fighters. We all know about Gundam Bill Fighters. Mm-hmm. It's going to be streamed with English subs in quote limited unquote areas. 
it's been man. announced that it's going to you know start streaming on October seventh, but it will be the um, the uh, sh- the stream with uh, the English subs is going to be limited to select geographical errors. So it doesn't really say. Uh, this is A waiting a response from Sunrise regarding that. So, uh, if that's any like the response waiting for the what the Turn A Gundam on DVD, uh, <laughs> Gundam Seed movie, uh, we'll probably have to wait for a while. So, thank you, Mr. Ventnoir, for that. So uh, we can we can get that that rumor going. And thank you everyone for your submissions. And if you have any new submissions, uh, please put them in the. News listener submitted news articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. And before we go to our uh, our extended episode, uh, extended reviews of the Gundam Wing mangas, um, we're going to be doing some uh, Hopers and Dreamers with Solbro. And and I think I think those old timey guys might be showing up. I don't know. Oh, so uh, Solbro, uh, take us uh, down the the path of despair. Thank you, sir. Everybody, welcome to the Hopers and Dreamers Corner. It'll be a, a sweet and short one today. Uh, if you guys ever want to submit your hopes and dreams, uh, head on over to mechatalk.net, click on the Gundam form, and find the thread for the Hopers and Dreamers Corner and submit yours there. And today's submission is from PQ Comics, and he writes, I want a new Gal Gygar anime that I wished for last time to be Gal Gygar versus Cthulhu. Oh, shit, that would be pretty badass. Um, Sunrise Takara Tomi. I will give all my money. I also want Chris to bring back the hate to this segment. And he edited he edited his, his uh, response here. He says, "A dream actually came true. Anything is possible, guys. Keep hoping." Whoa, whoa! This dream actually came true. Get get the hell out of here. <laughs> I'm not sure what he's referring to, but um, I wouldn't mind seeing that 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 fight if it ever if, if that could ever happen. It's 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 not too bad of an idea. But uh, Chris, um, you, you know I, I can't I can't uh, dispute this one because I, I want to see Gagar fight uh, Cthulhu. Hey man, you know what? PQ Comics hate denied. <laughs> there you go. We back your we back your play all the way. So, so but, uh, can, can we actually go out on a on a mutual um, a compromise here? Can we actually go out on this? That's crazy. I know it, it, it's 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 a foreign concept here in America. Well, I'm just saying. Can we? <laughs> we should just do one more so we can just go out with Chris with some hate. All right, all right. Well, uh, thank you very much, PQ Comics, for your submission. And this one's short and sweet too. It's from Arbiter Gundam. Oh, and <laughs> across. <laughs> no, not even close. He writes. Hopefully, the Destiny HD remaster will fix Destiny's problems. Oh, my God. Man. Cute, 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 Chris. I can't even. Because the Seed HD fixed anything other than just, um, you know, pointless little additions here and there and uh, throwing in the perfect strike just to sell you another model kit. Yeah. Yeah. Good job there. Good job there, guys. Arbiter, the only way they can fix that is if it ends around episode 13. Yeah. If they just wrap it up and say happily ever after, we're good. Fix we're good. Destiny's problems. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny that people still think that that would actually have happened, even after seeing that Seed HD did nothing at all. Oh. That's, well, the hate. That's the hate we like. <laughs> Suckers born every minute. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, Arbiter, that was a brave submission. Thank you very much. And uh, that's it for the Hopers and Dreamers Corner. I pass the mic back to Neo. All right. Thank you, Solbro. And uh, Chris is. Uh, How's the old Model T running? Run 
doing pretty well. All right. Got a couple of submissions. And uh, the first one comes from Philly Gundam fan who says, please bring us to life in the way only an old time radio man can. And so, bro, I'm going to need you to add the appropriate backing music and post. Oh, okay. You, you, you let me know what that is and we'll do it. <laughs> oh, you'll know what it is. Oh, oh, all right. Cool. All right. And who are you, the proud lord said, that I must bow so low? Only a cat of a different coat. That's all the truth I know. In a coat of gold or a coat of red, a lion still has claws. And mine are long and sharp, my lord, as long and sharp as yours. And so he spoke, and so he spoke, that lord of Castamere. But now the rains weep over his hall, with no one there to hear. Yes, now the rains weep over his hall, and not a soul to hear. Don't miss out the latest episode of Game of Thrones on WHBO. <laughs> and kids, don't forget to have your Varus Dakota rings for a chance to win a special prize. That's Game of Thrones brought to you by Sterling Cooper. When you need ad men, they're your mad men. <laughs> well, that painted the perfect picture. All right. And we have another one close out on that comes from Yokozuna Bulldozer. It's the distant future. There's a new form of sports entertainment where bobblehead robots engage in fierce athletic competition. This is Iron League, where metal clashes with metal and hot-blooded sportsmen, sportsmanship overload circuits. Meet Silver Castle, the lowest-ranking losers this side of Odaiba. When all seems grim and dark for these pathetic failures, a light of hope shines as top-ranking soccer player Mark Windy leaves the number one team, Dark Prince, and joins the roster along with the nomad, enigmatic pitcher Magnum Ace. Can they survive this corrupt and violent league through fair play and hot-bloodedness? This is sportsmanship. This is robot action. This is Iron League. Man. Nice. <laughs> I actually kind of want to see that. I want to watch this show. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or read the comic or whatever it is. That is, uh, that's what, meet Silver Castle. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That's, a, that's already a classic name right there, man. I'm, I'm, I'm signed up. I'm signed up. I, I'm down with the, the evil uh, Dark Prince. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely outstanding. All right, is that is that it, Chris? That's it for the uh, old time news hour. All right, well, thank you everyone for your submissions, and uh, I guess with guys, anything else before we go into our extended topic? I'm ready to wax about some gun to wing. Let's go. All right, well, we will be uh, going next into our talk about some Gundam Wing mangas uh, with Armor NT. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. birthday how to say well you could say thank you thank you gun damn it jim what the hell is the matter with you other people have birthdays why are we treating yours like a funeral well, I don't want to be lectured. what did the anime addicts anonymous hosts think of my little pony if you're a dude older than 12 <laughs> you really should not be watching my little pony and if you are go eat some chicken wings anime i'd rather watch the smurfs smurfette was hot addicts I'm pretty sure I set a few My Little Ponies on fire when I was a, when I was a child. Anonymous. 
No, that's cool. I'm just saying, like, My Little Ponies burn real nice because they're made of plastic. Podcast. Visit us at aaapodcast.com, iTunes, Facebook, and live from Japan on Ustream.tv. Greetings. I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pit podcast remember there is much drama on the internet but only the best makes pretentious internet theater hey this is stephanie shea and you're listening to gundam at mahq Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is Chris, and for this topic of Gundam Wing manga, we're joined by a special guest, and that is none other than Gundam Wing aficionado Chris, a.k.a. Amaro NT1 from the forums. Welcome to the show again. You know, I honestly thought you guys would have learned your lesson after last time where I kicked <laughs> off the anime segment with an evil villain laugh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but apparently y'all are just gluttons for punishment when it comes to Gundam Wing, so... In the immortal words, in the immortal words, mission accepted. (laughs) Well, welcome back. This is probably the first time in a long time, or maybe ever, that we've had you uh, on a non-Gius topic. Well, actually, don't forget Crossbone. Oh, yeah, Crossbone. Yes, well, that that was a long time ago. (laughs) Ancient times. Ancient times. And I'll probably be back in another three years when they release episode two of Octopi Exiled. I think that's supposed to be coming out um, after Origin, or the Seed movie. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Let's hope that. Mm, roughly the time Sun turns into a small lump of coal about the size of my fist. <laughs> Pretty much. So, anyway, uh, like before with Crossbone Gundam, we're going to be running through some uh, wing manga. We will not be discussing the Koichi Tokita wing adaptation from the mid-90s, because it's not that good. Oh, dang. Oh. You don't like stand and glare as sound effects? Shame, sir. We also will not be discussing uh, the manga adaptation of Endless Waltz because it's pretty much on point, and from my past reading of it, didn't really throw in anything uh, that wasn't already in the OVA, but what do you expect from a manga that adapts just three episodes? There's not much you have to cut or change to begin with. <laughs> All they really did, they threw a couple of odd references to things like Battlefield of Pacifists, but... There you go. And we also will not be discussing Glory of the Losers, the ongoing manga redo of the TV series. We'll probably give that its own segment at some point in the future. So for now, we're sticking with all of the old school 90s manga, starting with episode zero, which was written by Katsuyuki Sumizawa, who was the writer for the TV series, as well as Endless Waltz. Don't don't say it. Frozen teardrops. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that a trigger word for you? 
slightly. Just slightly. So according to you, the last... <laughs> Go ahead. The last time someone said that those words around me, I woke up half an hour later covered in blood and surrounded by corpses. Nice. So tread lightly. What's well, a good <laughs> lightly? Okay, Heisenberg. What's well, a good thing yeah, that we're easy. all in locations? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, is that was? Did you have a fugue state there? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> that old naked in the supermarket. The old naked in the supermarket technique. Uh, <laughs> works every time. No, let's just say. Although for some reason I acquired a scythe. I don't know where I got it from, but <laughs> there it was. Anyway, uh, episode zero, written by Sumizawa and illustrated by Akira Kanbe. And according to an afterword by Sumizawa, the manga represents the backstory of all of the main wing characters that was supposed to be in the TV show, but ended up not happening because he left the show and then came back. And by the time he came back, Everything was plotted out, and it was too late to introduce this stuff, which is why we didn't actually get any background on the characters until Endless Waltz. Mm-hmm. But then we've got this manga. So it goes through uh, with a chapter focusing on each of the boys, along with one for Relina. And we get some backstory about them. Uh, we find out, starting with Duo, that he was a uh, little street urchin. No surprise there. Mm-hmm. And he got taken in by the Maxwell Church, very kindly uh, old priest named Father Maxwell, who uh, dressed him up in uh, little priesty clothes, which is why he looks the way he does. <laughs> and uh, one day there was a uh, massacre of the church and its complete destruction. And that's where uh, duo was sort of set on his path of fighting against the Alliance. And he took on the church's name and eventually he hooks up with uh, the sweepers and one of the mad scientists. So might as well just hit these up individually thoughts on the duo chapter. Well, um, I, I, uh, I found it pretty interesting because, uh, you know, we've always known Duo as an atheist that dresses in um, <laughs> priestly clothes and then to find out his origin where he actually was raised in the church and um, raised by a kindly priest and a nun. You know, it added a lot of insight to, you know, the, the, the mindset that he carries. And um, I, I, I dug it a lot. I, I thought that um, the, the, even the revolutionists were pretty brutal. Um, did they, I mean, was it the revolutionists that killed the priest and the nun or was it just, um, fighting that, that was happening on the colony that killed them? Cause it was, it was, it was the Alliance coming in to crush the revolutionaries. I I had a feeling. Basically just using a sledgehammer to take out a fly. God dang. (laughs) That's that's what they did. That's pretty much what they did. Uh, The, 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 the hammer of the, uh. The Federation, man. They, those guys were uh, not Alliance. too kind. Alliance. Alliance. Well, Wrong well, universe, buddy. Well, you know, it's funny because half these translations say Federation. I know it's it's the Alliance, though, according to the official TV show. But, uh, yeah, they uh, they weren't too kind. And um, it was it was cool to see uh, uh, Duo's origin. I pass it back to you. All right. Amaro, your thoughts on the Duo chapter? Mm. It, it, well, I'm trying to think what I can add to that. I mean, Solberg already covered a good bit of the stuff there. Mm-hmm. It it really does help explain a lot about his character, about the fact that he goes through a lot, and yet he still tries to be the guy who makes everyone laugh and smile and enjoy themselves, despite the fact that they're doing these this horrible thing in the name of peace. Part of the backstory that gets covered actually in the novels, but not in episode zero, is before takes place before this story, where we learn the reason he's called Duo. Mm-hmm which is where we meet the original leader of the Archins, a kid named Solo, 
who who got sick with a with a colonial illness, Little Duo went and stole a cure in order to because they were restricting it to the upper class, but he couldn't get back in time and his friend died. But he never got sick, so he attributed it to the fact that Sola was watching over him, so he took on the name Duo as a tribute to his dead friend. Right on. Other than that, I do think I do like that one cute little moment where Little Duo says he doesn't believe in God, but he believes in the Grim Reaper because he's never seen any miracles, but he's sure seen lots of dead people. <laughs> and even the priest says it's kind of hard to argue with that logic. Yeah, pretty much. That's it's interesting. Plus the uh, the birth of his famous line that uh, he may run and hide, but he'll never tell a lie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think the whole core the whole core implication is that he really wants to believe that there's a there's a benevolent God out there. But how shitty the world is, it's kind of hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, Neo, any thoughts on Duo's story? Uh, just the only other thing I could say is just, you know, um, it further shows that, you know, these guys, be based on that attack, like we said earlier, a big-time attack for, you know, a very small uh, rebel force, we can see why, um, you know, these guys, uh, you know, Duo especially, why he was so had so much animosity towards uh, the Alliance. So, um, you know, but it, it, it was nice to see. And then I guess the only other thing was when um, the uh, the sister was uh, trying to fix his hair because he used to have his hair all out. That, that was amusing. Yeah, she, she's the one that gave him the uh, the braid. So, Well, it was the father because she was saying, like, oh, we got to cut your hair. And he's like, no, no, you can't cut my hair. So the, the, the father went and had her put it in braids. Yeah. <clears throat> So next up, we have Old Hero, and uh, this one is set in uh, After Colony 188. And we find out that uh, he's just some no-name kid who has been raised as a uh, professional killer by a guy named Odin Lowe, who is a former Oz operative and was, in fact, the man who assassinated the original hero, Yui, the leader of the space colonies. And uh, somehow he's got this kid with him that he's just sort of training to be like little junior assassin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they visit a space colony under construction called X18999. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) And Odin, in addition to training uh, no-name kid has been doing uh, contract jobs now, and his uh, last job that he wants to do is take down uh, old General Septim himself. Oh, man, he's such a good old guy. From the TV series, who is such a nice guy. <laughs> and what a beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in English. <laughs> like the At, singing um... of angels. <laughs> yes, but he, but he had a pretty funny uh, death, though. Woo, did he ever. Yes. But anyway, um, Odin, unfortunately, does not succeed because, well, Septim's in the TV series. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And at the same time, um, while all this business is going on, the Oz specials volunteer to help. And they're led by young Trace Kushranada and uh, creepy no-name kid Bazooka's his Leo, which uh, injures him. And as a result, he gets uh, treated at a Barton family medical facility and is tended to by a young woman named Leia Barton and you can put two and two together Hmm. about uh, what happens between the two of them afterward. Oh man. The result of course being Mineva, I mean Mari Maya. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Bow chicka wow wow. Yeah. So Amaro, your thoughts on the hero chapter? 
Well, I think the hero chapter is really important for trying to understand his character because a lot of people are way too eager to write him off as just this emotionless robot, especially, no offense to Mark Hildreth, but his performance in the dub because he got told, play the character as emotionless. Mm -hmm. But this really helps showing what kind of childhood he had and especially showing that Odin is the one who taught him live by your emotions because you never know when some idiot's going to change the world. Mm. And that's like a philosophy. Did. Yeah, that's yeah. a philosophy and, he and ends some, up sharing some with regret on his own part for his own actions. <laughs> that's uh, that's the philosophy he ends up sharing with Troa when they team up after the infamous self-destruction scene. Mm-hmm. And what what I do think I admit, you know, the characters are kind of young. You're willing to let it slide because it's anime. You want the audience to relate to the characters, and the audience for Gundam is teenagers. But it is a little silly seeing young Noin acting as the operator for Trace's mission. <laughs> just, yeah. just a bit. Well, it's also kind of weird seeing, you know, all of the, the wing boys as like seven and eight year olds running around doing all this crazy stuff. It's like no seven or eight year olds are doing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Even in these utterly and bizarre the, the situations. O- the only other thing is it's interesting to note in the little flashback to Hero Yui's assassination – you actually get to see Dekka Man cans there right after he's been shot, which, of course, helps establish both of their motivations for starting White Fang and the Maramea army. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't have anything really to add except for the fact that Odin is not Hero's biological father, up yours, Sumizawa. Oh, All right, so, Sobro, your thoughts on the Hero chapter? Well, uh, Amuro did cover a lot of ground, but um, it was neat to see that... Uh, Gogo with sorry not Gogo but uh Hero was raised by Space Gogo 13. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess he couldn't really call him Space Gogo 13 cuz he had regret. So <laughs> yeah. And and he screwed up his last mission. He did. Yeah. He did. And Gogo Which, never screws up mission sign. Gogo Gogo never screws up. No sir. <laughs> Perfect record to this day. And but Gogo um, shows no mercy. <laughs> not to men, women or parrots. No emotion. No emotion. No. But just to see how 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 much a sociopath that Hero was, even as a child, was a little off-putting. Um, but then again, he's always talking about killing people, so I should have re- uh, realized that going in. Um, outside of that, Trey's meeting Leia was a, a definite significant moment in this uh, manga. But my question to you guys is, when did this uh, manga come out? Was it in between Gundam Wing and um, Endless Waltz, or was it like, did it come out during the run of Gundam Wing? It was after after tv show got it yeah. got it okay so basically they already um this was just to establish mm-hmm. that 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 um that she was legitimately uh trey's daughter not claiming to be so that's not too bad well it's still vague yeah uh, but yeah the yeah. uh but there's the definitely script- retconning going on throughout this entire volume yeah yeah well the postscript from sumizawa says 97 so that was after endless waltz well damn yeah <laughs> yes well, at least they 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 put it out there in the or in in the origin stories for these characters, so that's that's not too bad. All right, Neo. Not much more I can say. I mean, these guys uh, said everything. So, <laughs> one of the things that stuck out at me about this chapter, but also throughout the entire volume, is that it falls into uh, a trap that a lot of prequels do. Mm-hmm. It's a little too on the nose. Like, hey, you know, 
these characters yeah. secretly knew each other before they knew each other. Like, how coincidental that it just happened to be Hero who caused Trace to be injured, which yeah. then caused him to be hospitalized and then get nightingaled by Leia Barton and blah, blah, blah. And then later we see Hero had actually met Relina before they actually met and was sneaking around. It's like that kind of stuff really annoys me when they feel the need to overly complicate things by having characters know each other before they know each other and it's just a dumb cliche especially in relina's chapter jesus christ <laughs> but we'll get to that i'm sure <laughs> yes so troa's chapter this one's kind of interesting because uh we see him uh, when he's no name just a child soldier and he meets a girl named midi un who turns out to be an alliance spy and ends up getting a lot of people killed, and um, she uh, feels regret about it because she loved Troa. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just like some young kid, just as young as he is, and uh, is basically uh, telling him that he's heartless and has no emotions and blah blah blah. Right. So, thoughts on this uh, one, Neo? Uh, just you know, when you read that, it just screams the whole Miharo thing. <laughs> <laughs> A little, a little bit better ending, I guess, for her in the end. I mean, she she ends up living, but um, yeah, yeah. So, but um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, um, and then I guess don't uh, Catherine's in it too, right? Um, yes. Well, that's something yeah. that uh, we probably need to discuss, which is the implication in yeah. uh, this chapter that Catherine really is. Troa's sister, and that they were separated as children. It's a small earth sphere in this book. Apparently. (laughs) Which is another kind of on-the-nose thing that I'm really not big on, like, oh, what a a coincidence that they met in the TV show, and then they, you know, she treats him like he's uh, her brother, but he really is her brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of lame. Hey, it's better than her treating him like her boyfriend. Ooh, that would be bad. That'd be some Game of Thrones shit. I would be. <laughs> so, bro, comments on Troa. Well, Troa's one of my favorite characters, so it was finally cool to see his uh, his origin stories. Man, that kid was a well-oiled machine back in the day, though. <laughs> and the fact that uh, you know, he he's he's pretty much focused on the mission, even if it means to shoot his, at his own comrades. I've been uh, a soldier since the day I was born. Exactly, exactly, man. This man is uh, he he's an MVP already out the gate, man. And um, for him to be raised by mercenaries makes him um, I, I guess he has a lot in common with a uh, hero. Hero being raised by a hitman and Troa also being raised in the world of violence. Uh, it, it's is neat to see that both those characters are are pretty similar, at least in their upbringing. But um, Troy, you know, he he he's, he's he has a violent life, but also has a kind heart, and that that's definitely evident when he lets uh, Mitty live. Which I expected him to pull the trigger on her ass real quick, but uh, he decided not to. So that that's kind of cool. But and uh, you have to wonder about this, but the manga doesn't explain it at all. What the hell is the deal with her last name? Yeah, that's true. Because. Yeah. Um, you know, why, why pick a last name that another character already has? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's just one of those other coincidences in this book. But uh, they, never, they never did tie that thread together. I guess. Do you have any, any insight on that, Amaro? You mean specifically on Midi or the whole thing? On Midi Un and Lady Un, no. if there's any connection. I think Sunzawa ended up just saying that connection is going to remain a mystery forever. In other, <laughs> oh, wor- in other words, BS answer, cop out. Well, well. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. And uh, Amro, your thoughts on the Troy chapter overall? This is another one that's really important to understand the character because they basically show that he did not grow up like a normal human being. I, I mean, you could probably could have guessed that, but yeah. essentially he, he, got, he lost his family as a baby and apparently survived on his own for several years with little to no human contact. He didn't even know how to talk at first. Wow. And that just really helps establishing Troll's character as the kind of guy who doesn't speak needlessly. He says what he needs to say. It's, this is also the only chapter that gets a direct reference because in Endless Waltz you have the brief flashback of Child Troa piloting a Leo while yeah. wearing the crucifix Mitty gave him. Mm-hmm. Let's see, what else, what else, what else? Um, there's not a whole lot. It, I think the fact that he wasn't raised as a normal person helps establish a lot of things about him, like the fact that he is able to fight for so long and why he seems more in tune with animals than people and why death doesn't affect him nearly so much. It's because... For him, seeing people die was like watching cartoons. For us, it was just part of his life. So what was, it doesn't affect him. But he gradually becomes more human over the course of the show by interacting with people like Catra. Oh, and also, this is the chapter that gets the fangirls friggin' nuts because they love to insist that Troa was raped by the soldiers. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. That's taking it's one Joshi just a little too far. Yeah. It's it's one of the legend one of the legendary fandom debates is the Great Troa Rape Debate. Mm. Frankly, if you really want to know where I weigh in, I don't think he would be that open or even sociable with those guys if they did. Good God. <laughs> they tr- they you read the chapter, they treat him like a son. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's that's the impression I got. I think people maybe they people treat just him like a add- creepy sex son. <laughs> people just want to add drama and, and melodrama to a story, so they go for all the gut wrenching crap like death and loss and rape. It can't just be they found this kid and he adopted him as a mascot and a son. Yeah. So why can't, why can't there be pure, beautiful things in a war story? Damn it! Because we can't have nice things. Because war no. has changed. War has changed. War never changes. War <laughs> ever changes. So I thought this was one of the more interesting backstories of the Wing Boys, aside from the whole Catherine bit. Because when you look at it, Troa has the most screwed up backstory of all five of the boys mm-hmm. and uh it's surprising that um he could even learn to function as a human later on coming from this background that he did of just constant never-ending violence and emptiness so next up we switch away from the wing boys for a relina chapter Yay. which is uh <laughs> set when she's 11 and hey what do you know there's some uh dirty homeless boy running around her school hmm. who uh <laughs> Looks like a certain uh, no-name kid who threatens to kill her on multiple occasions. Oh, boy. And uh, she doesn't get along with uh, her her parents, and uh, she gets nabbed on a walk by some terrorists. But then, uh, lucky for her, a certain masked man is around to save her, and uh, she wonders who that mysterious dirty boy she met was, and wonders how she would, um, you know, say hello to him and introduce herself if she were to see him again in the future. Mm. So, Sobro, your thoughts on the Relia chapter? It's probably the chapter I like the least because of the fact that Hero showed up in her life a whole lot earlier than in the show. So it kind of discounts their first encounter on the beach. 
And um, I don't know. I just don't know how to feel about the fact that they just shoehorned him into the story like that. I mean, unless that wasn't him and some kid that looked just like him. Well, Smizawa sort of cops out because at the very end, it's like, uh, you know, this kid, you know, uh, bore resemblance to uh, someone she would later meet. But there's no records of Hiro Yui on Earth prior to Operation Meteor. So it's like he's trying to have it both ways and leave himself some wiggle room there. Which I think Uh, I'm not saying Hero was on Earth, but there was this kid who looked and acted just like him. It was also played by Hikaru Midorikawa. So, draw your own conclusions! (laughs) Well, I'm calling foul. (laughs) But I will say I do like the encounter between her and Miliardo. Um, uh, I I know that also goes against the series a little bit because I get the impression that they met for the first time when they met in the TV show, but... I'll, I'll I'll throw the the story a bone and say that they met here when he saved um her life from the 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 so-called terrorist. But uh, yeah, outside of that, that's probably the the one takeaway I have from this chapter. Now, uh, I'm going to toss it to you next. Early on in the TV show, uh, before Relina find out found out who Zex really was, wasn't there some reference to a past encounter between them? Or am I remembering that incorrectly? Uh, the only real reference is that when she goes up to Antarctica to stop the duel, they make reference to the fact that, and I think I think her butler pagan told her that Zex Marquise was a knight who loyally served the the Peacecraft yeah. family. Yeah, he yes. Ah, oh. why well, sit corrected? <laughs> well, so this could be sort of springing off on that, and you know, her being eleven years it's old, she might remember bag. Yeah. this uber pretty man that that saved her with. Mm-hmm. With the disguise and all, but again, it's it's just another one of these things. Like I mentioned, a little too on the nose of you know, hero just happened to be there, running around, doing like the exact same stuff at her school, appearing and then disappearing, helping out in a terrorist attack, yada yada. And the story would have been better served, I think, if he was not in it at all and concentrated more on Relina and Zex. So, what did you think, Neo? Um, yeah, I think I I think Silver said it. This is probably my least favorite and i think it kind of does um really in a disservice because uh you know we all in, in every one of these we have these you know convenient um interactions with uh, characters that are going to interact later on in the show and stuff but in this one it just kind of discounts her story it's like you know either either give her something a little bit different where she's just not meeting up with zex and then heroes saving her and stalking her at the school um, you know, maybe show something else of her at school. Like, you know, as dumb as it sounds, maybe she's running for class president so we can see where she's getting her assertiveness. Leadership. To, yeah, leadership qualities. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It just. It and also, this chapter makes her, like, just even a little bit creepier. Yeah, and it almost just seems like, oh, we're just going to throw Relina in there. Well, if you're not going to at least give her a halfway decent story, just leave her out, you know? It, it just, it, it's just kind of a disservice. So. I um, I do I I do not applaud this chapter. Oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, next up, we have Catra's chapter, which is set two years. Hey, before hey, 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 hey! I didn't get to make my comments. Or are you guys oh, deliberately sorry. not letting? Or are you guys deliberately not oh, letting me talk? Because you I know thought, she's oh, letting me know. Yes, we we know that you love Relina now and forever, and this yeah. was the best chapter of the entire manga, right? Well, I'll be honest. She's Lately, she's been losing ground to Neralithotep, the crawling chaos who creeps up on you with a smile. Nice. <laughs> but I actually like this chapter. I'm going to be the voice of dissent. Mm-hmm. I, I know, I know, expected, but 
I why? think it actually well give, give, give three solid reasons. Well, let, like let, the other, talk. Go ahead. Like the like the hero in Troy chapters, it helps establish key points of her character, namely that she is among the rich people and she is admired as an idol, but she is not of them. They show that really? she's a lot more humane. And they show well, that we already, she we already actually had that we already knew that. TV show. Yeah. yeah, I know, but that's the least, that's the point of episode zero is to show where this comes I, from. I think you're just being too much of a really a fanboy on this. One. <laughs> oh, oh, here it goes. Settle <laughs> down, Neo. I'm just saying. I mean, don't bring out the claws yet. Yeah, well, I'm not saying it's a perfect chapter. I'm just saying I, I mean, like it's it. Okay. Yeah, it's okay to say it's not good because it's such a girl. Yeah, right? I'm not saying. I'm just saying that I think. She's a character who gets misunderstood a lot, especially thanks to her early, the early episodes where people label her a stalker. But this, well, this does help. Sure, help, help. sure well, help didn't help. <laughs> it does creepy. Sort of, it does She's, sort of establish. Well, I think the thing is, it establishes early on that she knows she doesn't belong in this type of society. She recognizes a mystery boy as the outside element, and she wants to. She wants to see the world outside of her gilded cage. But the opportunity goes away when he vanishes mysteriously, oh, and so she, she wants gets to stalk him and put him inside her refrigerator. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Let's let's not get Green Lantern over here. Oh. <laughs> and I will totally agree. I think the hero cameo is pretty unnecessary. I like both characters, but this is a major weakness in Sumizawa's work, which comes up really, really heavily in that novel. Ooh. But but the scene where she gets rescued by Racer X, who's secretly her older brother Rex, who disappeared <laughs> mysteriously many years ago, that's totally fine. <laughs> it, al- it also helps establish why they call him the Lightning Count, because he do- he takes down a whole bunch of enemies while in the process of free-falling. Mm-hmm. But overall, I-, I don't think it's a bad chapter. Maybe it's a little weak because they were trying to prop it up too much by sort of playing up the connection between her and Hero, but I don't think it's a bad chapter. Right, maybe a little weak compared to the others, but not bad. Okay. Well, moving on, we have Catra's chapter, which is set two years before the TV show, and I think is one of the more interesting ones because of the events we see. And uh, in it, he's a total jerk. We find out some more about um, the whole issue about uh, messed up babies in space, which is why they all had to be test tube babies, and uh, we see that his. He was the immaculate his, conception, man. Yes, his his mother insisted on yes. uh, doing it the old-fashioned way and gave birth to him, but it ended up killing her, although this whole time he's been led to believe that he's a test tube just like all of his sisters, and because he's a test tube, he thinks that his life has no value, and he's just a jerk who doesn't care about anyone or anything, and... Well, on a flight in space, he gets kidnapped by the Magwanox and uh, doesn't get along with them at all. But um, when there's a uh, traitor in the midst, he ends up saving Rashid and then they sort of start to accept him. And uh, he ends up leading them in battle with uh, Rashid's suit and inherits his goggles, which explains where he got those from in the TV series. And by the end of the story, his outlook on the world has changed completely. And he now wants to uh, fight for peace and not just be some rich jerk boy. So Amara, what did you think of Katra's chapter? Well, it, w- it was kind of odd seeing him start off as Katarababa douchebag. <laughs> but I, 
I, I just, I don't know if I, I have a hard time putting into words how I feel about this chapter. I certainly like Hatter as a character, but just the way he comes off is a combination between asshole and emo. It's kind of it's kind of weird to think that a single encounter would cause him to immediately change his outlook on life, just like that. Well, by Not the same token, though, given his lack of a non-traumatic background and being raised as an uber-rich space boy, like, how else could yeah. he have been at the outset? Yeah. Other than just a jerk. Maybe, but... I, I do think it, it could possibly be handled a little better. It's kind of weird also to see the Magnox doing uh, vaguely terroristic things when the show made them out much more like just a defense force protecting the people in the Middle East from the Alliance's depredations. Right. Well, and here as, they are, as even, here they are the show, hostages. even the show puts out there one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even freedom fighters need money for uh, freedom fighting. <laughs> I think this is the one chapter where you can give the coincidences a little more leeway because he meets Instructor H, who was an engineer working on MO3. So you can kind of you can accept that maybe a little better than mystery, not totally not hero boy showing up in Relina's chapter. And I do yeah, want and to there point was out some dirty kid in the background shooting stuff, and no one ever saw him again. But he kind of looks like Hero, but Hero was not known to be near MO3 before any time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, to- yeah. Didn't you see that T-shirt? It says totally not Hero. <laughs> but I do want to point out one one little thing. Viz slightly messed up in the translation, or maybe they did it on purpose because the original was on the nose. Mm-hmm. The 40th member of the Maganox, the one who betrays them. His name is translated as Yuda. If you hadn't already figured it out by the fact that his call sign to the Alliance was Iscariot, his name was Judas. Okay? Wow. He's freaking Judas. So maybe oh, Viz buddy. thought maybe Viz thought it was just slightly, slightly too unsubtle and they, they made it sound a little more Arabic. I don't know, I can't get in their heads. You'd have to ask who did the translation on this? You'd have to Some, ask the translator. Somebody who probably doesn't care anymore because it's like, what? That was 13 years ago. Stop bothering me. Lillian Olsen. There it is. Oh, wait, wait, Let go wait. Of me. How'd you find wait. me? Our good friend Mark Simmons had a hand in this. Everyone go harass Mark. There you go. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. Mark, Mark is awesome. He, he gave me Gundam Wing books for free because he is a bro. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Neil, what were your thoughts on Catra's chapter? Um, I actually like this chapter. And I think, um, you know, uh, I think it does a pretty good job of explaining why he's the way he is in the show. And it's like you said, I mean, he was, um, you know, at this point, he's the least traumatized because he just had a nice upbringing, uh, came from a rich family. Everybody loved him and everything like that. So um, and I I think, yeah, okay, we're 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 reading this in reverse because we're used to nice catcher as opposed to maybe stuck up arrogant catcher. But I think it's a it's a nice way of, um, you know, showing how maybe he was earlier and uh, bringing in the Magna, Magna walks or Magna walks. Oh, God, I'm not able to speak right now. Magna knots. Good luck with that. I, I said guys. it earlier. I said it earlier and I had no problem. Uh, Magna walks. Yeah. I don't know why I'm having a problem right now. But, um, but yeah, I mean. They're, I, they're I, the Morlocks, okay? They're just the Morlocks. The Morlocks. But uh, I, I think it's, uh, I, I think it was pretty interesting. Um, and I think it's of, uh, outside the Troa one, uh, it's and and the duo. This is one of the better one. I mean, this 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 might be the better one when it comes to uh, just showing um, 
you know, it doesn't seem like anything's too, too forced when it comes to meeting other people because he has to meet, he, we, you know, it's showing how he met up with these guys. You know, it wasn't just one of these situations like a random chance encounter. Um, you know, oh, hey, I just, I met this person or I, I shot a bazooka at him and it happened to be Trey's. You know, we, there was a point where you needed to see where, um, where he met up with them. And, uh, I, I think it's, uh, I, th- I think it's pretty good. And, I, but I, I kept wondering, did maybe some old senator told his dad, you know, sometime in the near distant future, your wife may die giving birth? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I just was kind of wondering, you know. So, but yeah, I, I think this is, uh, it's pretty good. And it's, um, it put a, a nice spin on one of the more annoying characters of uh, Gundam Wing. So, it must okay. have been John McClane. Yeah. <laughs> so, I will agree with Amro that uh, Katra's change of heart is perhaps just a bit too sudden, but I did like seeing him coming from a different place and seeing how uh, the absolute trust that the Majinox have, how that developed and where that came from, and little touches like the goggles. So I did appreciate all of that. And moving on, we have the last of the individual chapters, which is about... Hang on, my brother. I didn't even get to say nothing. Oh. It's hard to keep track of all you bastards. I know, ain't it, man? Especially as I'm rotating each time. So I'll be quick, man. This is a story of about how a young man's nuts dropped. (laughs) You can see, um, I I love the fact that he does change. Um, You you can tell he lives a sheltered life, and he's not happy with his station in life because he feels like he's just another number in his family, although he is the only son. Um, It's his coming-of-age story. And he even takes a bullet for Abraham Gow, man. It's crazy. <laughs> my, I, I, my, my old nickname for Rashid back when I first watched uh, Gundam Wing from back in the day, I used to, we used to call him Abraham Gow because his, his, hair, his hairdo is ridiculous. But um, I, I like that he found his place with a bunch of, uh, we'll call them misfits, the, the, the Majinox. But, um, you know, he, he finally found his purpose in life through this story. And uh, it was nice to see him on the come up and be so different than what he was um, yeah. Uh, that represented later on in the TV show, so it's nice to see that transformation in character, and I, I dug the oh. story a lot. Not maybe not as different, perhaps, as our next character. Oh, go yeah. for it! Was Wu Fei, and this is set just a year before TV show, so this is the closest one in proximity to the TV show, mm-hmm. and. Um, Wu Fei is a young scholar, and uh, as is the long clan tradition, at the age of 14, he's married. So, yes, Wu Fei, Mr. (laughs) Weak Women, Mr. Just Sort of Almost Oozing Misogyny, was married, and he was a bookworm. And, wow, I didn't think he could possibly, there could possibly be anyone more annoying than him, but I was wrong because his wife is almost worse. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, his wife uh, Melon who calls herself Nataku which means things in not English mm-hmm. and she's just uh, really annoying and just blah de blahing about fighting and justice and etc cetera, etc cetera. it's like well now you see where he gets that from yeah. and then uh, one day old alliance there decides to uh, play titans and gas the colony and uh <laughs> There's an officer who says, "No, we can't. We can't do that. That's wrong." And that officer just happens to be Sally of all people. So, yet another little coincidence of two key characters of a relationship, sort of uh, not interacting, but at least being in the same 
sort of area at the same time before they knew each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, to fight off Oz, uh, Melon impulsively jumps into a second tall geese that the Long Clan had for some reason because, hey, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and then goes off. And uh, gets herself killed, and then Wu Fei jumps into battle for the first time using the incomplete uh, Shenlong. And from that point, he decides to dedicate himself to the fight for justice and uh, starts calling it Nataku. So, Sober, I'll let you go first this time. What did you think of the Wu Fei story? Well, this is the story of the youngest widower in the Gundam verse. <laughs> Like, oh, I mean, uh, to make a long story short, I thought it was interesting because you always heard him make references to Nataku, and then to finally get find out the backstory of why he named, why he always called uh, his his Gundam that as a nickname, uh, was pretty endearing. I mean, granted, yeah, she was annoying, but uh, the way she went out, I thought was uh, was deserved. Was, yeah, but I mean, I, I felt bad for her all the same. Um, she was really? just trying, she was just trying to defend her house, and she did a bad job at it. <laughs> a pretty bad job, but um, she wouldn't have stood a chance in that suit anyway. So it's a suit that was just too much for her to handle. And if, if Wufei stepped up earlier, I think uh, it may have turned out different. But uh, yeah, she uh, she she could have had a better disposition overall. But um, maybe that's why Wufei is so so much of a um, I, uh, just, he's, he's so, so chauvinistic because um, he wasn't chauvinistic enough with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that's if, any I to- excuse. if I told her to, s- <laughs> if I told her to stay in the kitchen, she'd still be here today. There you go, man. Make go make a sandwich. I'll handle the shit. <laughs> Maybe some space sandwiches, woman. Oh my god, I'm sorry, ladies. Wait, <laughs> do the laundry. It's do the laundry. It's for your own good. Woo, man. If only, if only. But yeah, um, it, it was a sad tale, but it it, it caused him to you know get down to business. So I guess it was worth it. That sacrifice was worth it in the end. All right, Neo, your thoughts on Wu Fei? I just laughed because of a guy that's so much different than than what uh, what he is in the show, and and it's like I, I think we've all we've all had a friend like this who's been completely dominated by their wife or girlfriend, and that's all you felt with though when you're reading about a uh, Wu Fei, and uh, you know, and then of course it's the night you know it it does kind of clear out that whole thing with Nataku and and everything like that, but um, yeah, it's. Uh, it it was uh, talk about something really changing somebody's outlook on life. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely um, it, it definitely did that. So uh, yeah, uh, you know, of course, to probably making him into one of the most annoying characters in all of Gundam Wing. So, but uh, but hurt right. to the end. <laughs> Amaro, your thoughts on Wu Fei's story? Well, I'm going to be the voice of dissent again and say I actually really like this chapter. Oh, man. I didn't say I didn't like it. Here's here's the thing. Well, I understand Wu Fei is a very hard-to-like character. Mm -hmm. But I I think this chapter does a good job of establishing why that is because he's forcing himself to live up to someone else's ideals that he didn't quite believe in in the first place. I agree. So it's the conflict between— Doesn't make him any more likable. It makes him more understandable. Mm-hmm. Whether it makes him likable, that's up to individual debate. But it does. I think it does offer some key insights into precisely why he's such an absolutist when it comes to these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Let's see what else. Um, regarding the mystery tall geese, they eventually went back and retconned and basically said Master O took an old Leo and was souping it up into a copy tall geese. That's why 
they, they've got another one for no explained reason. <laughs> I think also I think Sally's cameo was a little bit more understandable because she wasn't commanding the mission. She was just part of it. It you can see that she might you know that there there'd be a it's a bit more understandable again than totally not hero showing up. Yeah, but it's like you can out of that. all of the alliance officers there could have been, it just had to be her. Her yeah. who developed yeah. such a close association with Wu Fei later on in the TV show. Like, come on, really, Sumizawa? Come on. Yeah. Also, though, I do think it's kind of weird that the proto Shenlong they actually bothered giving it both arms because they knew they were just going to take one off and replace it with a dragon fang. So why'd they do that? Maybe they thought after this that dragon fangs would be cooler. I know this is going to excite Neo, Neo, but let's just call this the Lost of Gundam backstories. <laughs> all these all these prequel uh crossovers and 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 chance encounters all forced it's great oh, this is this is actually a little bit more entertaining Dan, i knew i knew you were gonna say that shit i knew it <laughs> the ups it, the it, downs it, 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 didn't, it, it didn't ramble on for years <laughs> so who's and who's the gundam, end in a church <laughs> who's the gundam jacob pulling all of these strings together oh that's that would be that would be straight trace man he's in every i think he's almost in every one of these stories or has something to do with them all that guy no it's got to be it's got to be the dog man have you played silent <laughs> hill come on it's the it's dog. always the dog <laughs> yes that, i'll go with that answer indeed so uh not one of my favorite chapters i can't stand Wu Fei in the tv show anyway and um I can't even stand his wife because she's in a way worse, even though she's only around for just this one chapter. And his change in character is just so extreme a year before the TV show that it just kind of strains credulity to believe that the jerk that we know from the TV show used to be this guy. And it's sort of funny because if you look at it, then he and Catra sort of went in opposite directions. Hey, man, he's like Walter Whiteman. He absorbs the personalities of those that die around him. <laughs> Maybe so. There you go. But yeah, I, I was not really into this chapter much. So next, we're just going to discuss the last two chapters in one. Um, the chapter after this is called Operation Meteor, and it's really just a collection of a bunch of very short scenes immediately preceding the start of the TV show, just putting the pieces of Operation Meteor into motion. Each of the pilots deciding to ignore. Dakin Barton's Operation Meteor, little things being decided like um, Hero's code name being Hero, mm. uh, all these little bits and pieces. And um, of course, it leads right into episode one of the TV series. Then after that, we have a little epilogue story called Preventer 5, which is set after Endless Waltz and involves uh, some terrorists nabbing Relina and uh, the boys spring into action to rescue her. But it ends on a cliffhanger that is never resolved and never will be. (laughs) (laughs) I did find that a little weird. (laughs) Yeah. So, Amaro, why don't you take us out on episode zero with your thoughts on uh, these last two chapters? I don't think the episode, the um, Operation Meteor chapter really adds any extra new insight to the story. It, It just, you know, like you said, it's just little tidbits of the plot. I, I, I'm trying to figure out what exactly you can say that it adds, other than maybe showing the amount of trust the engineers have in the pilots. I mean, I just think re- the main purpose of it was just to link a little bit more closely the stuff they're establishing as background here with the stuff we had already also learned in Endless Waltz, just to sort of tie it all together in a knot. Yeah. 
Also, just leaping through right now, I noticed that the artist did a little continuity error. Oh, what's that? Like, uh, let me see, page 196, Troll was working on Heavy Arms, it's the Endless Waltz version, but then on 219, it's the TV version. That's oh, no. Oh, jeez. I know, it's done. Hey, there, like there was said. once, a, I, I did watch a show once where one Gundam became another Gundam from the previous series in, in an action sequence, so I, I think I'll live. Hmm. <laughs> Like, yeah. that was, wait, that was bad. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to Destiny. As, as, for, uh, as for Preventer 5, it doesn't really need an ending because, like Sumazawa says, you know what's going to happen mm. and they're going to win. And they, they really do set it up that something is going on because the people who hold Relina's birthday party hostage call themselves Epion Detelos, which means the terror of Epion or something like that. Oh, wow. And they make a big and they make a big point in wanting out pointing out one specific dude who can only be one person, Racer X. <laughs> They're basically the resolution is pretty obvious. The guy's plan succeeds in part because Zex is in with the terrorist group helping them out. Everyone has a happy ending, everyone has birthday cake, you know, all that good cake stuff. Cake is a lie. Ser- seriously? <laughs> you really had to go there. Yes. Yes. Why you do this? <laughs> And that's the end for my thoughts, I guess. All Next. right. Neo, your thoughts on these last two chapters? Yeah, I, I'd have to. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, when it comes to the um, Operation Meteor ch- part, yeah, it just um, it just adds to what, you know, what we've already seen before. It's kind of a little segue. And, you know, hey, if you forgot, this is what happens. So, I mean, it's not too bad. And, yeah, we... I guess with the Preventer 5 one, yeah, okay, we know that she's eventually going to, really will eventually get um, uh, rescued, but it was a little weird just the way it was like such kind of a cliffhanger thing. It's like, well, you know, you probably could have done it in a little bit more subtle way, so that's about it for me. So, bro? Well, um, I, I I will say that the... Uh that the the pre operation meteor story was pretty serviceable but i do like that it shows how um Choa got his name so uh, i'll definitely give it that um it was just it was just nice to have a uh, a little trip down memory lane um about the first episode too and how everything got how all the pieces on the board got set up so that was the cool thing about that but uh i got to say that uh preventer 5 was probably my favorite chapter in the manga even though it's a, it's a big cock tease at the end of the day um I, it just shows pretty much what happened to the boys after everything was said and done and i love the fact that they're now the a team um with the old catcher being hannibal and the rest of the team um pretty much working very well together even though they're always um apart in different places all the time when when the shit goes down they get together like the the old band getting back together to handle business so it was nice to see them operate and uh it had a lot of funny moments so i definitely enjoyed that chapter yeah but then who's mr t Oh man, that you know that's you know that's duo. <laughs> no, wait a minute, guys, guys. I told you, I'm not getting on that plane. I am not getting on that freaking plane. Hey, is that milk? <laughs> Actually, Mr. T would be a uh, hero, and then uh, old uh, what's his name? Uh, the crazy one is duo. That guy, uh, Murdoch. Mad Murdoch. All day long, all day long. But yeah, that I, I enjoyed that story. I thought it was pretty cool. All right, so. <laughs> just in, in in closing on this one, um, I appreciate just the little links of reminding us about some things in the TV show and the immediate 
preceding of its starting. And uh, what stuck out to me about Preventer 5 was it was interesting to see how much um, Wu Fei has lightened up over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell, he's the That's one that true. went, he, he went after everybody to get it, to get the band back together, which is definitely him out of character. But uh, I, it, it's, mm. it is cool to see that he's evolved into that kind of person. Mm, I don't know. I mean, like I like I said way back when we talked about Endless Waltz. I think the whole point of Wu Fei's character development is getting over this idea of living up to other people's expectations and finally being his own person. And by this by this point in the story, he's finally he's not living as his wife or as anyone else. He's being Wu Fei, and that involves being friends with all these guys. So right on. All right. So in closing, let's give some ratings on episode zero. So Amaro, what uh, what do you give this story? Overall, uh, the whole thing, I'd I'd probably give it a four out of five. The big hits probably come a couple of the weaker stories and Sumazawa's over reliance on the contrived coincidence. But if you want to be a real, if you want to be a Gun and Wing fan, this is pretty much required reading, I'd say, because sometimes people have a hard time understanding the characters. Maybe the writing wasn't perfectly clear in the show, but Episode Zero really helps put it out there and make it totally clear who these people are where they come from where they're going and how they're going to get there mm-hmm. and it's practically canon anyway so and yeah big debate about canon and use of japanese media <laughs> i know i said I mean, the we horrible won't go word there. i should never say don't don't go there so neo your rating oh uh three and a half dead priests out of five damn, damn. <laughs> <laughs> okay Solbro. Um, I like duo. That's why I said it. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. I, I, I'll, 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 uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see that and I'll raise you. Um, although I'm gonna have the same rating: three point five uh, dead, uh, dead wives out of five. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but she died with purpose. <laughs> hey, I thought I thought we were discussing Japanese comics, not American one. Oh man. All right. Well, I will give this one three and a half. Random, dirty, homeless boys who totally are not hero out of five. Indeed. (laughs) So we've dissected episode zero quite a bit because it's a very important manga, but we're going to move through the rest of these uh, items much quicker. So our next one up is Blind Target by Akemi Omode and art by Sakura Asagi. It originally started off as a drama CD and then was later adapted into a manga. It's one of three stories that uh, each tries to tell its own uh, variation of linking together the TV show and Endless Waltz. Most importantly, the decision by the boys to uh, toss their Gundams into the sun. So in this story, we have um, really no no Gundams present because they are not being used. And uh, <clears throat> we have Relina kind of doing her government thing and uh tro has an encounter with a guy named ralph from his own his old mercenary days and we have some uh, intrigue when catra is seemingly killed in an explosion but survives and there's mysterious things happening and hero rescues relina and her new assistant chris but things aren't quite what they appear to be and in essence you have uh the wing boys using their ingenuity to try to figure out this plot by a remnant of white fang that's 
becoming active again, and they're led by a guy named Sogren. In the end, what we find out is that Sogren is working for the Century Discover Corporation, which is a big-time mobile suit manufacturer, and uh, they're not down with the whole you know peace thing and discarding of weapons because that's kind of their business. So he's basically bankrolling these White Fang remnants to start up a new war and just keep the cycle of death going to, of course, create more mobile suits, particularly to acquire the Gundams and mass-produce them. Mm-hmm. And nothing works out the way that he wants, and both uh, Chris and Ralph, who uh, became revolutionaries after their colony was attacked by the Alliance, they both realize the error of their ways and uh, decide to uh, live new lives and of course, as a result of what happened, the Wing Boys all decide to trash their Gundams. And Wu Fei has a meeting at the very end with Marimea and Dakim. So, Amara, what were your thoughts on Blind Target? Well, like you said, one of the big points of Blind Target is it's a character story. It started off its life as a radio drama with all the voice actors from the show reprising their roles. And it's kind of hard to do giant robot battles when you're just using a sound. So it's a lot, it has a lot more character interaction than, than an episode of the sh- show would. It does show that the guys are partly adapting to civilian life after the war. But, of course, you've got the people who aren't going to accept the idea that peace is a good thing. So mm. overall, it's, it's a pretty good story. It's very well self-contained, I, I would say. I don't know if I'd say it moves the... I mean, the main purpose is it's a mid-quel. It's there to say certain things like why they're getting rid of the Gundams, why Wufei is with Marimea, that kind of thing. I don't know if I'd necessarily say it does those things as well as maybe Battlefield the Pacifist did, but... Ooh, I'm going to disagree with you there. <laughs> well, it's, still, it's still a very good story. The, the writing, I think, it's spot on. It feels... It, it's well, uh, Akemi Amode was one of the writers for the TV show, so obviously she knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. And everyone feels right. The, the new characters, Ralph Kurt and Chris Marley, actually fit in pretty well with the plot. And I don't know what else to really say other than it feels like a well-written episode of the show that just so happens to use no Gundams. So I will point out one odd little trivia tidbit. Over the years, I've heard the legend that Ralph and Chris's character designs were rejected designs for older versions of Hero and Relina, but I've ne- mm-hmm. never found that corroborated but just food for thought well i'd believe it <laughs> yeah i mean especially ralph yeah jesus when they show him as a kid i was like well he's he's a he's a a, a dead ringer for hero jesus christ <laughs> okay uh neo your thoughts on blind target um it's it's not bad um it's it, it's it's a good little encapsulated uh story and uh you know like um Armuro had said uh, if you're looking for mobile suits in this one, uh, it, it, you're not gonna, really going to find it, except for just little cameos here and there. Um, you know, it, it, it is kind of it's interesting to see, you know, how it kind of fits in with towards the towards the end with um, Wu Fei meeting with Marimea and stuff. And um, you know, uh, does it feel like a Gundam Wing episode? Eh. Kind of, but you know, it's it, there's definitely a lot more character interaction and a lot more analysis of you know what world they're in and everything like that. And um, you know, it's it it is, it is kind of a nice thing to see. Okay, you know, there are some people that aren't completely down with um, uh, 
you know, this, uh, the taking away, uh, weapons and, and getting rid of the mobile suits and, and stuff like that. So, um, I guess, you know, they're, they're afraid, uh, what, what is it? One of the rules of acquisition war is good for business. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so, but then again, but then again, peace, peace is, yeah, peace is good for business too. So. But, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, when it came to, uh, Chris and I forget the other guy's name real quick, Ralph. uh, Ralph, um, they were just good kind of out of the blue characters, nothing really outside of their look. Um, you know, like Armora stated kind of stands out. I mean, um, you know, just kind of the typical, Hey, we became revolutionaries because of one reason and we're getting kind of worked by these people. And now we kind of see our way, you know, the error of our ways at the end. So, um, you know, pr- pr- pretty good story though. So back to you, Chris. Okay. So bro, um, I really dug the story a lot. I think it's probably the best illustrated out of all the stories. It's right off the table. I'll put that there. Um, like the actually illustrated or the actual story? <laughs> no, I'm just, just asking. The, the, the artwork in the story oh, okay. presented is it's yeah, very, it is yeah. very clean lines. It the panel work is beautiful. I I really like it's it's laid out almost like their cells, just like the the outlines of of, of cells. I I I might have missed this when Chris was talking about this, but is the uh, artist of this the uh, character designer from the show? No, uh, no, okay. she is not. She's but not. she is. She kind of become became the semi official artist for the novels and such because Sakura Asagi did the art artwork for the Endless Waltz novel and the series, which we shall not name. <laughs> well then, well, um, look, looking at the character designs and how they're how they're depicted in this is the closest to the TV show out of out of pretty much all the all the books we've read for this. So I, I got to give it up to to her for for doing a really great job. Um, I, I pretty, you pretty much, you guys pretty much covered a lot of ground that I, I would have, but, uh, I like the fact that it points out that Quatcher does have the devil's luck. <laughs> he, he dodges death like nobody's business or, um, he manages to get out of bad situations pretty luckily at times, but that could be said for some, for some of the other characters in Gundam Wing as well. But, um, I, I like the fact that this, this is a whole story that doesn't rely on the Gundams at all. Um, for the most part, you know, they're pretty much on a Gundam, a great Gundam goose chase. And this story has my favorite kind of villain, the corrupt corporation. So uh, I got to give it up to the story. I really enjoyed it. It was a great read and uh, I dug it. All right. I think that out of the three Endless Waltz prequels, this is my favorite. I think it's the best out of them. Mm-hmm. It's got the most grounded story that's not too far out there. I really like the focus on not having the Gundams featured at all and having them all rely on just their own skills and their ingenuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was cool to see. And uh, that just made it more interesting than all these other stories where all problems can just be solved with mobile suits. And I liked seeing the further development of the idea that not everyone is happy with this new piece that the world suddenly embraced at the end of the TV show and that a lot of people aren't just going to blindly go along with that and just further setting into motion what's going to be happening with the Maramea army in Endless Waltz. So we go through and give ratings for this. Neo, what's your rating? Uh, I'd have to probably say about a um, four out of five teddy bears. <laughs> okay. Solbro? Um, I guess I'm tied with Neo in this one, too. Four failed assassination attempts out of five. Ooh. All right. Amaro? I'm going to give it four nods to the heterosexual shippers out of five. There you go. <laughs> and okay. I will give it uh, to go across the board. 
four treacherous assistants out of five. For an average of four. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Who knew? Who knows? Yes. I could do math. <laughs> so next up, we have Battlefield of Pacifists, mm-hmm. which was uh, written by Katsuhiko Chiba and drawn by Koichi Tokita. And this is another one-volume story that is an Endless Waltz prequel. So it starts off on kind of a similar note, the fact that uh, some people are resistant to this new world order of world peace and pacifism. And we see Hero and Duo taking out mobile suit factories on their own. And uh, inspecting mobile suit factories is something that Relina's doing. And uh, there's this group of weirdos out there called uh, the Perfect Peace People who are preaching uh, peace and pacifism and also making some noise about the Gundams. And uh, Katra goes off to investigate them and gets captured. And uh, some space hijinks ensue, resulting in him uh, being brainwashed and trying to kill his bros. Thankfully, they break him out of it. And what it turns out is that uh, there is uh, an asteroid mobile suit factory called Volcanus, and it's got a bunch of mobile dolls on it, but it's also got one of the uh, Oz Zodiac series on it, the Scorpio, that was not used during the war. Mm -hmm. So you have the wing pilots racing against the Perfect Peace people, as well as... um, this Oz faction led by a guy named Broden, who Wu Fei is working with, and they're all trying to get there first. And uh, Broden's got some pretty good intentions, and uh, the perfect peace people do not. They're led by a wacko named Victor Gaints, and as we find out, he's basically just a uh, butthurt former White Fang guy who left the group because he was pissed about Cans choosing Zex as their leader. Yeah. And his whole thing about uh, pacifism is just to cover. What he really wants is to have control of all mobile suits and uh, rule the Earth sphere himself and be the keeper of peace. So, yeah, that's his whole thing. And, of course, it does not go well for him. He ends up getting killed. All of these characters die and these new characters die, and uh, the result is that, hey, the wing boys decide to uh, toss all their Gundams into the sun, and interestingly, at this point, uh, Wufei's already donned the little Hitler youth, I mean, Marimea youth costume. (laughs) And that's uh, the end of the story. So, Amara, what were your thoughts on Battlefield of Pacifists? In some ways, I like Battlefield of Pacifists better than Blind Target, mainly because... It involves more of the cast, and I do think that's one thing Gundam Wing tried to do was to be more of an ensemble story. It wasn't just the guys piloting the Gundams are the only important people in the world, because then you had all the characters like Lady On and Zex. Dorothy. And all the, hey, I've made it known for a long time that I am a, quite a fan of Dorothy. I'm glad she's involved in this story. Those eyebrows, and, son. <laughs> well, well, I think... It really does help show her show the kind of character she's become after mellowing out, where she's still kind of cunning and playful, but for better ends. Mm-hmm. And of course, the fact that both she and Duo were trying to set the stupid lovebirds up and say, "Just kiss already, okay?" <laughs> yeah, that's a theme you'll notice when the writers don't have to worry about the TV show; they throw the shipping hints in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Broden is an interesting new character. He fills the 
void winghead kind of where they didn't do the Gundam tradition of the character who works for the bad guys but is ultimately a noble and good person. Mm-hmm. Because even if he wants to get his hands on the mobile dolls, he wants to do it to further human, human progress. On the other hand, then we have Victor Guides, who is – he's a pretty crappy villain. Oh, yeah. He's basically – He's basically just a whining child who didn't get the toy he wanted to play with, so he's throwing a tantrum. Except that his tantrum involves a giant, powerful mobile suit. Mm-hmm. So he's the weakest part. The villains are the weakest part of the story. The good guys are a nice, strong part. And I think this one really does a good bit towards showing. This one does a better job of showing Wu Fei's motivation in Endless Waltz than Blind Target. Because in Blind Target, it's just, he says, war's never going to end, just get over it. And in this one, they show that maybe it's not necessarily the fact that he can't let go of war. Maybe he has some kind of deeper motivation to it. Mm-hmm. And just as a random aside, people have been commenting for, I'm sorry, is that train in the background? I, 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 Can you all hear that? Don't even worry about it. It's fire. I, <laughs> I hear it. Yeah. Sorry. We'll call it, we'll sorry. Call it ambiance. <laughs> Yeah. And people have probably noticed the, just as a random trivia, people probably noticed the disparity between the Scorpio's mobile suit and mobile armor mode, helped by the fact that, like our old friend the ReGZ, it just dumps parts to change. Mm-hmm. That's because two different mechanical designers. Junya Ishigaki, the man behind Gund- most of Gundam X's stuff, did the mobile suit mode, and then the manga author Koichi Tokita went back and threw in the mobile armor mode, which is why if you, put, if you line them up, they don't quite match. Mm-hmm. Oops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it looks somewhat similar. Uh, but overall, I do like this one. I don't know if I'd say I, I'd like it about as much as Blind Target, just in different ways. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Neo, what are, what are your thoughts? Because clearly, you don't sound like you agree. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I think uh, the issue that I have with uh, Battlefield: The Pacifist is it kind of goes to the same old route of. Oh, there's a super mysterious automated, um, you know, uh, manufacturing center that we have to go take out because you know they're doing the they're kind of doing the same old thing. Okay, we've we've destroyed Oz, uh, we've unified the the uh, Earth sphere, and you know now there's this thing that this other group and I don't know. It just it it, it seems a little cliche to me. And I, I think when you have a situation of when you're dealing with like blind target and you're, you know, we don't even have, we don't even really see the Gundams, but yet the Gundams are the subject of why um, one of the, you know, one of these factions is trying to start unrest again, up leading up to the events of Endless Waltz. Um, it is, uh, it's not as strong. I, I do, I do agree. I like some of the, you know, you do have a little bit more inclusion. I, I like the whole, uh, discussion with Dorothy cause I too never really had a, I've never really had a problem with Dorothy, uh, in, in the show. I actually kind of liked her character. Um, but I, I like that whole kind of situation. Um, yeah, I do agree. The villains are just kind of piss poor. Uh, Borden's okay, and I, I like that he's, you know, he kind of interjects that um, that attitude that's kind of that, that attitude from Gundam shows that's kind of missing in Gundam Wing and most of its incarnations about furthering to go into space and and help with uh, human evolution and stuff like that because it's, you know, Gundam Wings is that's not really its thing. 
And it's it, that was kind of cool to see that little bit of hey, you know, here's this guy that that's thinking a little bit different route. But yeah, Gantz and the the perfect piece people, it's just like, jeez. So, but when it, I mean, it's not a bad story if it was just there by itself and there was no blind target. I think you'd probably, I think I'd probably have a little bit higher um, regard for it. But the fact that I do have something that like is blind target kind of um, kind of puts us down a peg for me. So back to you, Chris. So Solbro, your thoughts? Um, I got to echo a lot of what Neo said. Um, Gaines is a bad Bond villain right off the bat. That guy is uh, he's not nearly as uh, as well fleshed out and he's he's a little too comical for, for what I expected for the story. Um it was good to see Howard, though. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's Neil's boy right there. Yeah, Howard, I like Howard. Son. Yeah, I forgot about Howard. Sorry. <laughs> Big yeah. and, a cool, and a cool little new spaceship. Hell yeah, yeah. man. He, he never runs out of the tie-dyed shirts, son. <laughs> hey, duo. <laughs> he probably has as many of those I as John Lasseter has Hawaiian shirts. Exactly. I just got a new bootleg of the dead, duo. We're going to fix up the death side for you. What just man. sit on back and enjoy the ride. I mean... Enjoy. Just get some sleep. Yeah. I can imagine him driving the Peace Million to slow ride by Foghat. That's the shit. No, no. <laughs> he's 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 doing it to Roland. Oh, he's doing it by Roland. the dead man. <laughs> he's he's completely. Yeah. I guess that's his theme song right there. H- Howard Howard and all his mechanics are tripping nuts on acid, fixing nice. death sites. <laughs> That that that's that's my adult version of Gundam Wing. Sorry. That's why that's why he's the man that built the tall geese, man. He's so yeah. pimp. He's yeah, so duo. Awesome. Hey, and and don't forget, if you're gonna throw in video games, he built the Argun too. Oh, did he now? Holy shit, man! This well, is I did. One of the one of the Super Robot Wars games actually treats the Argun as basically the sixth Gundam. I knew this man was the shit. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> He's like your old. He's like he's like he's like somebody's old burnt out hippie uncle. That's what I'm talking you know? about, man. Yeah. <laughs> Tinkerers. Tinker All I can say anything. I know he's growing his own stuff, man. I know he is. But um, I, I, I got a dispensary card, man. It's legal in the colonies, you know. <laughs> that's his. That's his side job, man. He runs a dispensary at the back of the piece. Yeah. But uh, it it was good to see him. Um, I also wasn't crazy about Dorothy when the TV series was on, but then I've run into worse people like Quest, so I've kind of retracted my hate for Dorothy. Hey, hey. In, in this, actually, though, she was actually very fun. Um, she's always been the puppet master. But um, she she has this ambiguous way about her that makes her really hard to read. But, you know, she's in it for the good reasons. It's just sometimes hard to tell. So um, I, I, I really enjoyed her in the story. I thought she was cool. Um, but, yeah, the plot was kind of weak. Uh, Broden, he wanted to hold humanity at gunpoint, basically. And I couldn't really get on his side. So um, I kind of wanted to see him taken down. But Wu-Fei's always pairing himself up with terrible people. I never got that about this man. But uh, <laughs> overall, though, it was it was an okay story compared to uh, Blind Target. Though it 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 just doesn't it doesn't hold up all that well. So uh, I can't really rate it as high as that. But um, it, it it was it was okay though. I I I, I give it a pass in a, in a lot of ways. All right. So. <clears throat> I think there's some strengths and weaknesses here in this story. On uh, the strength column, I'd put in Dorothy's appearances and her sort of more playful role, but also hearkening back to uh, you know the importance of her background, mm-hmm. yeah. being the granddaughter of Dermail and the knowledge that she has of 
you know, things like Volcanus. Uh, I did like Broden. It was interesting that Wufei was teaming up with these guys. But uh, definitely just the biggest weakness is Victor Gantz and his Gantz and his whole organization. He's just a whiny little bitch. And, uh, you know, his followers just come across as a bunch of deranged cultists more than anything else. And things like brainwashing Catra to try to take down everyone else is just really silly. So cliche. Yeah, th- those sorts of things I think really hurt the story in the end. So, doing ratings, Neo, what do you give this? Oh man, I gotta give this three kind buds out of five. <laughs> All right. Oh, Emerald? actually, no. My my ratings actually uh, three piss poor uh, villains out of five. Uh, Damn. I, I yeah, I'm sitting here with Howard, so you know. All right. Yeah. And uh, Amaro, your rating. I'll give it three and a half passionate reunions out of five. Oh. Sobra? I'm going to have to give this uh, three injections of crazy juice out of five, because why is Quattro always prone to losing his shit? In Catra. <laughs> Catra, god damn yeah. it. I'm, yeah, wrong, wrong, god, wrong, too too many Q stuff. names, man. I'm messing up. Uh, Cat, Catra, man. He's always... How, how dare you? How dare <laughs> you accuse this to you? The man is and always... Cool-ass Quattro Pagina and sorry-ass... Catcher or Baba winner? Really? <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with Catcher, but better, that, 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 is, this, that is a, that is a bad mistake. My my, my bad. I, 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 I'll anyway, hold that L to my chest. But go ahead. I'll give this one three out of five whiny man children. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And moving on, the last of the three endless waltz prequels. I think this one we're going to go through very quickly, and that is Ground Zero by Reku Fuyunagi. And this basically is a collection of two unrelated stories. The first one is Hero gets a mysterious message and finds that Wing Zero is missing. So he goes to this remote space station and there's this cat and mouse game as he's encountering the other Gundam pilots trying to figure out what's going on and who could have possibly gotten past his security and stolen Wing Zero. And uh, as the coincidences just pile up to be too much, he finally realizes, or rather he knew from the beginning, and was just trying to figure out why, that it was all of them who stole Wing Zero. Mm-hmm. And were using Wings, the, using the Zero system to play this little game and trick him. And Catra and the others finally explain that uh, the world was moving away from uh, using mobile suits and moving towards peace, but then Hero went and did all of these upgrades to Wing Zero. The upgrades being transforming it from the TV version to the Endless Waltz version. And when they ask him, why did you go and do this? Basically, his answer was, I just had some cool upgrades and wanted to do them. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weak. <laughs> he was inspired by American Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, he just, he, just wanted to, he just wanted to trick it out a bit and make it look cool. <laughs> Exhibit showed up at his doorstep. It's like, yo, man, <laughs> I'm going to pimp your mobile suit. Yeah. And um, some dog, I heard you like Gundam. So I put wings in your wing so you can zero while your wing. Nice. There you go. Yeah. And uh, so from that, they decide, hey, why don't we just get rid of all of the Gundams? And I made a mistake. I meant to say that it's actually in this manga that Wufei has already joined the Marimea army. He decides to be all grumpy cat, like, rah, 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 for obvious reasons. And uh, then the second story 
is all about uh, Relina, and she uh, she falls in a garden, and she's being all pouty and, and whiny and crying about Hero, and then he shows up, and they're bickering with each other, and uh, that's the end. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, jumping ahead of all you all, I think I would probably be speaking for most of you in saying that this is, without a doubt, the worst of the... Endless Waltz prequels, because it just feels like uh, meaningless fanfic. Oh, damn. Yeah, In does. more ways than one. The <laughs> yeah. whole game yeah. of, you know, Wing Zero being stolen and what happened, all just being that Hero wanted to trick it out, is just really anticlimactic and really deflating. Mm-hmm. And then with the Relina story, again, I'm not a great fan of her character, but when you read this particular chapter, I think it does a lot of damage to her character because this is supposed to be the post TV show. Relina, who's playing this big leadership role in uh, the government and is doing all of these important things. But this chapter just portrays her as a lovesick puppy who can't do anything without hero and is just consumed by thoughts of him at all times. And, just really contrast with what we saw of Relina, how she grew up by the end of the TV show, and then what we see after this in Endless Waltz. So it just does not get her character right at all. Kill me, hero. <laughs> so, Amaro, what were your thoughts on Ground Zero? Ground Zero was the only Gun Wing manga I do not actually own. Oh, there's wow. a reason. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> it ain't worth it. To quote Mel Brooks, it stinks on ice. Oh, damn. The thing is, everyone is out of character in this damn thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Very, I, don't, yeah. I don't even need to go over it. Do I, I mean, Hero tricking out Wing Zero to look like <laughs> the Kaitoki version just because he feels like it. Mm-hmm. And Duo being spot on when he says it's not a custom car. Let's see, there's the fact that the author apparently decided that little bit where Troach laughed when Hero said dying hurts like hell to decide to turn it into a running gag because there are just several moments in the story where he just busts out laughing and they're like, huh, that's weird. Yeah, it's, it's so and, everyone is so off that you sort of wonder if she even saw the show. <laughs> and, of course, and of course, Relina, which it blatantly contradicts everything they set up about her character. Mm-hmm. The whole point by the end of the show is she's okay. You know, she's, she openly admits being in love with Hero, but she doesn't expect him to do anything about it. She's yeah. fine with just knowing that he's out there because it gives her strength. And in this, she acts like she's a lovesick teenage girl. I mean, it kind of shows that this is the only one out of the midquels that wasn't written by a member of the staff. Because this person just doesn't get anything right. That's why it feels like fanfic. <laughs> it's I'm all the hallmarks sure it, of fanfic. It, a story that goes nowhere with all the characters acting out of character. Now, if it had all the, if it had all the hallmarks of fanfic, there'd be more sex. Well, I mean fanfic in general, not wing fanfic uh, in particular. I know. Fifty Shades of Hero? That's what I meant, too. <laughs> I know you meant that also, but... I'm trying to Don't not even go... start. <laughs> Hey, we're a family program. Oh, darn. Family program. <laughs> but Think of the children. Just, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is just a dojin that Viz licensed back in the day. Mm. Because if you look this person up on Anime News Network, she's done nothing else. Damn. So, yeah, just my advice, skip it. Not worth it. Yeah, definitely not worth it. So, Solbro, your thoughts on Ground Zero? 
I mean, there's a there's a sense of levity in this story. Um, it does have a few okay moments, like how badass Hero is by um causing that explosion and jumping uh between parts of that colony that they're on through the through the jet stream of air that comes out of one side to the next. I don't know if that's possible or not. I'm not thinking it is, but it was. I it will was, say, mm-hmm. I will say that does remind me of a fun little image macro I saw, the picture of Quest floating through space from Char's counterattack with. With her hands over her ears. Yeah. The caption is, "The caption is la la la." I can't hear you, physics. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Um, he had he had a, he had his John John McClane moment, so I'll give him that. But outside of that, it does feel like a dojin. Um, maybe it was written with a different audience in mind, being that uh Gundam Gundam Wing was popular with the ladies back in the day, so. Maybe that uh that that may play some factor. Uh, honestly, I could be making that shit up. I I don't know, but um. Super <laughs> I do like to rewrite history, but uh yeah, it wasn't as good as the other ones. Ironically, this was the first one I read out of everything, so yeah. um it, it it went uphill from there, and uh, that's all I have to say about that. Neil, it's garbage. Well, all right. <laughs> Back to you, Chris. <laughs> Damn. So. We got to we got to rate this sucker. So, Neil, what do you give this? Uh, one and a half Bell Dandy Gundams out of five. Nice, nice. Amaro, one Pimp Yo Gundam out of five. Wow, wow, Woo. he's lower yeah. than me. Boy, Damn, we scraping the hey. bottom of the barrel, man. I, I see a one and a half, and <laughs> I'll lower you. <laughs> I'll lower you to one. My God. <laughs> So all the hate mail will go to Armoro. Thank you. Ooh, oh, I'm used to it. I'm used to it by now. That's well, fine. That's fine. Sweet. Bring it on. <laughs> Sobro, your rating. I'll be, I'll be a little nicer to it. I'll, I'll give it two oranges out of five. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give this two pouty Rolinas out of five. There you go. Now that's the talk. <laughs> and I'm probably being a little bit generous there. <laughs> yeah, I think you are. Brace <laughs> that. So that wraps up the Endless Waltz prequels, so we'll move on now. Mm-hmm. So we'll wrap up this segment with a discussion of the three-volume manga G-Unit, which was released in America by Tokyo Pop as Mobile Suit Gundam The Last Outpost, curiously not even having Wing appended yeah. there on that title. So this side story, aside from a quick cameo early on by Lady Un and Nicole, is totally about a new cast of characters and we have out in deep space at the uh, resource asteroid MO5 a secret project to develop these new mobile suits called the G-Units that are Gundams and they are of modular construction so that the core unit can be adapted for any battlefield and any changing situation rather than having specialized units for different environments. So the story starts off uh, roughly during the early part of the first space arc of the TV series when uh, nice Lady Un is making her appeal to the colonies about uh, how wonderful and awesome and super cool Oz is, and then just kind of continues from there. So we have our main character, a young impulsive pilot named Odin Burnett and his wiser, more experienced, older brother, Odell. His uh, would-be girlfriend, uh, Lucille. And um, just a whole 
cast of supporting characters, mechanics, friendly old men, whatnot. Crazy, weird, creepy, totally not evil, suspicious uh, scientist, Dr. Berg, who developed the G-Units and is not a bad guy at all or looks shady. Yeah. I'm totally not a villain, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. You can trust me. So everything's going good, and they've agreed to join up with Oz and uh, hand over the G-Units to Oz once they're completed. But uh, they're being scouted by uh, Reconnaissance Leo, which um, delivers a photo of said Gundam, the Geminas, to Oz Prize, which is the secret Black Ops division of Oz. And... They send out a ship with uh, orders to block the airspace of MO5 and prevent anyone else from getting in, which includes uh, an Oz technical officer who's sent to find out what's really going on, and he ends up being stuck with the MO5 people during this blockade. And we have on this uh, Oz Prize ship three ace pilots using heavily customized Leos, the... uh, very effete knight worshipping um, Roche and uh, these two other guys, Kratz and uh, Broom. So you have your typical battles, uh, Odin's inexperience shows, and as a result, um, Odell has to rescue him, and his Gundam is seemingly destroyed, but not really. Mm-hmm. And there's a traitor in their miss at MO5 who totally was not at all the not suspicious Dr. Berg, but really it was. <gasps> no! He was my favorite character! <laughs> and he remodels Odell's Gundam to basically turn it into a Zagok Gundam and hands it over to a mysterious new pilot named Silver Crown, a masked mm. man. Silver yep. Crown. Crown. Yep. <laughs> Without a doubt, the worst masked person name ever in Gundam. <laughs> ever. Yeah. We all we all know who he really is. Racer Ooh, X. <laughs> yes, he's Racer X. So as the story develops, Odin's trying to improve his piloting skills and activate the uh, PX system that the G units are equipped with. Basically, a high performance uh, booster that. Uh, if you use it beyond the limit and go into overdrive, it'll fry your brain. Yeah. And not in, like, the uh, Wing Zero, you see your future way. Like, no, you, like, Camille Bidon way. Yeah. <laughs> so things get more convoluted when this uh, high-ranking Oz Prize dude named Valder Farkill shows up with his Hydra Gundam and his whole thing is he just wants to destroy stuff and uh, have a battle with Trey's in the Epion and prove who's strongest because that's his whole thing. And we have some uh, doomed enemy girl pilots as usual and some uh, switching allegiances as Roche is betrayed and is forced to uh, join up with uh, the MO5 people along with his number one fangirl Aretha. So by the end of the story, which tracks with the final battle of the, uh, the Evors, we've got um, the MO5 forces using their three G units to fight against Valder and his forces. And Dr. Berg decides to send their ship on a uh, 
crazy attack run, destroying colonies along the way and then crashing into Earth. So using that uh, fancy modular feature, Odin combines elements of the three Gundams and he uh, takes down Valder and destroys the ship before it causes any damage. And then after the war, Odell marries his girlfriend while... uh, Odin keeps bickering with Lucille, and uh, everybody's happy. The end. Yay! Mm-hmm. So, Amaro, what were your thoughts on G-Unit? I think G-Unit is one of those things, back in the day, kind of like Crossbone, where people were saying, oh man, you guys, there's this Gundam Wing manga that's so totally better than that whole stupid show. And then when you finally read it, it's okay. But I, I wouldn't call it better than the core show. It's different. I mean, I've heard people claim they think it's more like a traditional Gundam story, but it isn't really that either. Well, it's traditional in the sense that it, it checks off a lot of items on a checklist of Gundam cliches, more yeah. so than Wing did in some Wing. aspects. That's true. It has its good points and its bad points. I like the characters. They're, you know, it's got good heroes. It's got good villains. They managed to do some good comedy bits, kind of. I think uh, Tokita dips a little heavily into the whole Sundare battle between Odin and his girlfriend, Lucille. Just a little much. I mean, the mechanical designs are awesome. They're handled by Junichi Yatsuku, better known as Beecraft, the man behind the design of the Gundam Astray. And it includes things like the five different G-units that pop up throughout the story, as well as the custom Leos. Mm-hmm. As for the bad parts, uh, the storytelling is spotty all over the place. It's it stretches out too long at the start. It's compressed too much at the end. Yeah. Character motivations are a bit wonky. Mm-hmm. I mean, just abruptly near the end, it felt like Tokita felt the need to throw in the requisite former Asame character in the form of Luna Armonia. <laughs> and they don't really do anything. She she gets They're two chapters. It, it's one of the, pretty much, it's and, one and of the flaws. One of the flaws of compressed storytelling is you don't necessarily know how long a particular plot thread is going to go on. I mean, if you actually look at if you look at the official timeline from Gundam Ace, I mean, like you said, the story stretches from about the the first space arc of the show to the final battle. Yeah, that's which July is a long of period of time, but it doesn't yeah. seem like that long. Yeah. It's like it doesn't seem like that long as time is passing in the manga. But then you know by connecting it to the TV show. show's timeline yeah. that it's yeah. supposed to be this longer period. It's like, but that doesn't yeah. seem right. It doesn't gel. It's it's yeah. almost exactly six months from July 28 to New Year's Day or New Year's Eve rather. What? Let me think. Um, the the Tokyo Pop translation. I've been I've seen the Japanese version of this. They leave a whole lot out. They gloss over a whole bunch of stuff, and they insert their own dumb jokes. And it, it hurts the storytelling because there's a lot of important information that would help it help things along a bit better. They there's don't adequately explain what the PX. Page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't adequately explain what the PX system is. They don't adequately explain any of these characters' backstories. And if you want, if you want to see where it's really bad, you go to the very back and look up the Oncoma because I don't know why these guys are so obsessed with Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> But they just kept telling the same stupid jokes yeah. over and over. We'll get to that later, but that, that is something that, that stuck in my craw about uh, the translation. But Tokyo Pop, never known for really good translations because they just would crap them out on an assembly line. Who, yeah. Who's, who's but, your daddy and what, what does he do? They, they... <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's my early 2000s. I'm a copy idiot. 
early 2000s Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboard humor, which is just yeah. oh my God. so dated now and so unnecessary even back then. But uh, anyway, to, to the main story. Good, but what's best in life? Um, overall, the main story, I kind of like it. I think the problem is the siege plot line really limits storytelling options. It's kind of like you hear the backstory for, for Advance of Zeta where practically all the events take place during the siege of Konpeto, which makes it a little hard to believe that that's their excuse for why all these incredible prototypes like the Hazel and the Heisen's Blade never made it out to the mainstream Titan forces. And that's basically the same thing they do here is because is because um, Romafeller's Black Ops branch, Oz Prize, is sieging this one tiny asteroid colony for six months. That's why none of this technology filters back, back into the TV show. That's how they keep it from causing a continuity error. Mm. Yeah. But I mean, there, there are some technical bits that they really should have explained. I mean, just... If I, yeah, if I can go on for just a, a tad bit to explain things for people. Oh, yeah. Info dump time. <laughs> Basically, PX system, what it does, it pushes your mobile suit past its normal operational limits, and it kicks in an adrenaline surge so your, bo- so your b- body can handle that. Mm-hmm. That's why it causes damage if you use it for too long, because you're overtaxing the system and your own brain. Hmm. Something they leave out, the reason the PX, the reason the G units can change is because... The bodies are basically completely full of these linear lock bolts that they can use to just quickly unscrew apart. You can see them all over the body. They're the things that look like um, slot head screws. Yeah. Other little bits like uh, the Hydra Gundam. The reason it was created, it was made by Romafeller to specifically battle the wing team. But then Valder stepped in and used his authority to appropriate it for himself. Oh, and of course, running throughout, we have all the little references to the Universal Century, like the Asclepius turning into the Zagok. The Burnlapi is turning into a, a high gog, and the Hydra turning into the Zeong. Yeah. And, oh yeah, just one little thing that does rub me the wrong way about Tokyo Pop's translation. There are English names for some of these machines and characters, and they completely ignored them. There's a scene where you can see, you can see Odin's name written on the Geminis Zero-One's cockpit hatch. <laughs> and it's different from how they spell it. I mean... How? I, I know I'm probably coming off like some sort of hyper nerd who cares about these kind of things, but no, I mean, the work is already done. Well, for it's, you, it's then, you know, it, you might as well just roll with it's what legitimate it's because Tokyo Hop has a history of doing these things, like yeah. uh, with back with Astray, their uh, whole like thing about Rondo. Like, is he a dude? Is he a yeah. chick? Nobody really knows. Like, no, we and, know. And apparently, they couldn't be bothered. Couldn't be bothered to go to the Astray website and see the cute little Mars emblem on Gina's profile. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that Tokyo Pop known oh, for their uh, actually, very that's fast one, translations. One other, and one other no thing, surprise. their bad translation actually ruins a reference. The Oz Prize flagship, they call it Grand Chario. It's supposed to be Grand Chario, which is the French name for the Big Dipper. So it's another Zodiac. It's another constellation reference oh. that got lost in translation. Huh. Kind of like how Asclepius actually represents the thirteenth constellation, just like the serpent. But it represents the man holding the serpent rather than the snake itself. The more you know. <laughs> but overall, I do like G-Unit. It's an interesting little aside, but you can't really fit it with Gundam Wing. It is it is a pocket side story. It is War in the Pocket. It's Stardust Memory. It's all those things, but for Wing. Probably rather more than Stardust Memory because of the ways that things just don't work. Yeah. Overall, it's good. If you like, if you like Gundam, give it a read. But don't think that it's necessarily going to feel like an expansion of the Wing universe in any way. It's just there. All right, Solbro, uh, what did you think? Oh wait, you didn't read it. Oh man, you got Ooh. me. You got me, Hank. 
you, I, I, my, my name is Heisenmud. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, 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 um, I, I missed out on reading this, and I feel bad that I missed out on reading it because I, I, I did want to read this more more than any of the other stories, and I, I blinked that I had to read this. So my bad. I, I, I got enough today. I have to, have to sit here and just uh, eat crow. But back to you, Chris. All right, Neo, your thoughts on G Unit? Well, I had read it back long time ago when you could go in the bookstore and, and see it. I used to, I used to just kind of read it. By a day, we could buy Gunnerman bookstores. We could go to, we could go to a place called a store with books, i.e., a bookstore. Now, um, yeah, which, in all and, fairness, you you can't do again since you can't find Origin in uh, bookstores. So I guess I shouldn't pull out old Grandpa yet. Yeah, not, not not yet. Not till Barnes and Noble is completely out of business. Wait, are you admitting to being a manga cow? <laughs> You've been going to reading reading the manga at the store and not buying. Is that what the, is that what that's called? Well, I've done yeah, it because they go in there, they go in there and they graze and they leave. Hey man, I've hey, done it. And they I, take yeah. up and they take up space. <laughs> I'm not going to say I haven't done it, but you know, I've I've bought my share of manga in the past, so I. I I don't think my I don't think uh, being classified a, a true manga cow is uh, should be appropriate. But you don't do I, diligence. for the record, bought my three copies of uh, the G Unit volumes, and uh, they are sitting on my shelf as they have been for over ten years. So there. There you go. Oh, there you go. You're you're better mm-hmm. than me. Yeah, I got right. my copies out right here oh, for reference. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> I think uh, I think Armuro did a pretty good job. A, a lot of the things that kind of irritated with, not necessarily irritated me, but kind of got me about this is the same. I think, yeah, the the mobile suits look great. Uh, the characters are, you know, they're okay, they're interesting, but you know, it, it does come in that classic trap of things are just kind of drawn out way too much in the beginning, and then it's just that rush to the end, you know, because we only have three, uh, we only have three volumes, so it's just. It seems really rushed, and the Tokyo Pop translation does kind of seem a little weird. I, I have no experience with the Japanese translation, so I, I don't know what I was actually missing. But it's one of those situations where you do kind of read it, and you're just kind of sometimes you're like, oh, okay. And um, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. It, it's one of those situations where I, I think it does seem a little bit more like Stardust Memories, where it's it's in that world, it's in the Wing world, but it just doesn't feel like wing and it's it's kind of its own separate thing so um it doesn't necessarily mean mean that it's bad but you know don't go in here expecting uh the the world to be turned on its head through uh storytelling and stuff like that so um you know but back to you chris since i'm a manga cow moo (laughs) you you are you are moo eat 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 chicken (laughs) eat Eat more chicken (laughs) moo no. Dad was right, proud. So, Didn't care how. <laughs> the thing about G Unit is it is a fun read, and I do love the new Gundam designs because there's so many of them, and they they definitely yeah. put uh, work into designing these cool things that you know have Universal Century influence, but look like they they could mostly fit into the the Wing universe design That's aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, the thing about G Unit that really kind of um, holds back the series as a whole is it's checking off a whole bunch of items on your Gundam cliches. Chief yeah. among them that 
in any Gundam story, no matter what is going on where the main action is, you can be sure that there's some manga that chronicles some secret Gundams being developed in some other place that nobody knows about that has a whole bunch of problems going on that never once tie into the main conflict and never can these characters actually participate in the main conflict because obviously yeah. continuity. Yeah, and they're more advanced than the title Gundams in the um, the aforementioned shows. Yeah. And they could have made such a big difference in the main series had they been around, but oh, what a shame they couldn't be. Yeah. Uh, then you have all of the other characteristics, like the uh, brash, inexperienced pilot in Odin, yeah. um, the bickering girlfriend, the masked man, the... <clears throat> loser villain slash honorable enemy who switches sides and becomes one of the good guys. Um, uh, traitor villain. I just want to, I just, I just want to say really quick, uh, bingo. Okay. How so? I filled, I filled my card. I call bingo. <laughs> he named up all the things on your card. <laughs> there oh, you go. we were playing Gundam bingo. I didn't know that. Sorry. Yes. Um, all of these things just add up and it kind of makes the whole product overall generic, but it is a fun read. And I definitely do agree with the assessment that it's um, got a reputation for being greater than it actually is, just like Crossbone Gundam. Mm -hmm. And I think, though, that it's been out long enough and out of print long enough that people have seen that it's not that special anymore. It used to have that cash more before, I think, Tokyo Pop released it here, whereas Crossbone retains that uh, undeserved hype just because of the fact that it's never been officially released in America, and you got to go through methods to get it. Yeah, and it's got, it's got Pirate Gundam. That's why. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a fun story, but not particularly deep. You know, none of the character development is a surprise. Uh, as a final villain, I found Valder to just be kind of hastily inserted and not at all compelling just one of these generic assholes who wants to fight to see who's the strongest and has this obsession yeah. with fighting trays and just not very compelling at all which i kind of felt unnecessary the you know i gotta beat trace i gotta beat trace and it's like we know that he's not going to be in the story so who really cares at this point you know yeah so that kind of detracts from yeah. him so Overall, nothing more that I would have to say about this, so we'll go around the table and get ratings. Uh, Sobro, what's, what's your rating? Oh, that's right, you didn't read it. Oh, boy, man, sticking it to the man. <laughs> Amuro, what's your rating for G-Unit? I think I'd probably give G-Unit, let me see, three and a half kindergarten cops out of five. Wow. All right, Neil. I'd uh, I'd give this three questionable Tokyo Tokyo Pop translations out of five. And I would give it three and a half uh, paintball wedding matches out of five. <laughs> oh man! No, no one and said. Mm -hmm. As an aside, what one do you thing do at I, your wedding? Of course. As an aside, one thing that I did enjoy about G Unit was uh, since this is Tokita, he continued his go for it domon for coma that yeah. he started with his. Uh, Adaptation of G, then continued into Wing, then into X, and finally with G Unit. And uh, it brings together the characters from all four series with all sorts of uh, wad, madcap, wacky adventures. And eventually, in one volume, expands it all the way out to MSG 0080 and 0083. What? 
some of them are hit or miss in terms of comedy, and uh, unfortunately, some of those are missed because of Tokyo Pop's questionable translations, including um, Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboard references, like uh, the obsession with referencing Kindergarten Cop in two separate strips in the same volume. Oh, Jesus Christ. There's other one. There's other things like. There's a, there's a strip he does for War in the Pocket that directly references the fact that Steiner, Hardy, and Master Asia have the same voice actor in Japan. So the joke doesn't work in America. So it's kind of pointless. I, I, I will say that I, I did read, um, although I didn't read uh, the last output. I read the back cover, so I, I think I, that no. gives me a good idea of what's going on. No, I, I, <laughs> I read the Gundam Wing adaptation. Um, during the first week of my assignment, and I, I read that entirely, and I read all the four comas at the back. A lot of them were pretty, uh, pretty, pretty funny. Um, how it combines the uh, the the G Gundam cast with the Wing cast. So um, that's the my only exposure to it. But uh, I read them all, and I thought it, for the most part it was um, it was interesting, especially Foon Psyche. He 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 always stole the show, <laughs> as he does. I do think I will give them credit for one altered little bit. One of the comics has Rochi going after Odin for the whole, you know, I'm going to take you on, Gundam pilot. And then all the other pilots start showing up. So like, I'm a Gundam pilot. I'm a Gundam pilot, too. And then off inside, someone says, I'm a Gundam pilot, and so is my wife. <laughs> That's the only like, little pop culture reference I'll give him credit for. And he's off running. Get away from me, you Gundam bullies. <laughs> yeah, so those are fun, even though some of them are ruined by Tokyo Pop's uh, bad translation choices so check those out and uh all of these different graphic novels they're all out of print and have been for years but you can find them very cheaply on amazon or maybe your local used bookstore who knows they're really not worth much so you can get them actually pretty cheap compared to uh their list price back in the day so check them out and see for yourself and uh, thank you, Amaro, for joining us on this extended segment. And I'm sure we'll have you back at some point to discuss Glory of the Losers, but not that other thing. <laughs> well, don't worry, guys. I'll, I'll probably be back in about three years for Octave of the Exiled episode two. That too. That too. But Whatever decade always, that drops. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. So we're going to take a quick break and be right back. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ. Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gum damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too? I can't believe Game and Morphin gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You need to fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only covered major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. 
Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news, big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop and second opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. In a world where podcasting is king, you are listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Welcome back, gang, to Gundam at MAHQ. You've been listening to episode 132, and we had a, a true extended segment for those unsatisfied by extending segments lately, Peter. But um, in this... <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, 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 it's, and it's been... We, we had uh, the UN inspectors inspect our, our extended episode, and it meets their criteria. It's stamped grade A, son. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's stamped safe. And ready to go. Absolutely. Did Russia approve? It, they did. They did. Uh, even um, even uh, I forget there. Um, Putin took his shirt off just in honor of it. So you and know. wrestled a bear. They did. He did, and then shot one. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> but in this in- extended segment, we waxed about Gundam Wing and some of this many. Uh, we we talked about the Gundam Wing manga. We had a Gundam Wing manga roundup. We didn't cover every last one of them. Of course, you know that uh, there's one currently running, so we'll eventually get to that when it finishes its run in Japan. A lot of the Endless Walls uh, prequels. Mm. Uh, we didn't do Gundam Wing manga or the Endless Walls manga. So, you guys, all the old stuff. Gee. But, but a lot of them were worth reading, so go ahead and check them out, and I hope you dig them as much as we did. But um, before we close this episode out, fellas, uh, anything you guys wanted to point out or talk about before we close things? I hate everyone. Yes, yes. The weekly, uh, sorry, the bi-weekly affirmation. <laughs> Neo, uh, any, anything that comes to mind, sir? Um, no, not really. I'm, I'm sure uh, as the days go on, there will be more hatred on the internet and more uh, craziness and irrationalism when it comes to people participating about pointless things on the internet. So go world. Nice, nice. Well, uh, it's just another day at the office for us. But uh, I want to thank you, both of you guys. Um, I just want to give you guys a shout out for uh, appearing on an episode. What? Well, for appear- appearing on episode four, Barbecue Night. Uh, the new Shinjuku Station podcast has just oh. recently started up. Um, Chris and Neil were a part of a, a big discussion about Breaking Bad. We talked about uh, our thoughts about the uh, finale before it aired and then afterwards. And um, they were on board along with uh, uh, Lee Majors and Shoji Ramaro and The Wonder. 
and uh, my, one of my friends, uh, Cody from Side Three, a longtime listener of our podcast and a podcaster himself. Um, we all uh, played a part in that discussion, and it was a great time. You can find that on youtube.com slash Shinjuku Station. And if you want to check out Barbecue Night Live, head on over to tiny, tinyurl.com slash Shin Station to catch when new episodes are going to be streamed live. Um, other than that, um, also keep a lookout on the Gundam at MAHQ YouTube channel because not only are episodes posted there, but also um, I'll be posting up a, a little game time with uh, my friends Ed Crimson and the Seraph from uh, Broken Infinite. We uh, got together to play some Gundam Extreme Versus on the PlayStation 3, and we had a pretty we had a blast. And that'll be going up soon on the uh, Gundam at MAHQ YouTube. So be on the lookout for that as well. And, and many thanks to them for bringing the game over so we could rock out. But um, outside of that, uh, definitely peep these websites when you have time. Head on over where the magic happens. MAHQ.net. That's the Mecha and Anime Headquarters. Also, make sure you visit Gundam.net, the official website for the Gundam at MAHQ podcast, and where you can download and find information on this episode and our entire back catalog. Join in on the conversation at MechaTalk.net. Net, where you can also find official forums for Gundam, where you can submit questions, topics, and reply to anything that we said in this episode. All other links for Gundam at MAHQ can be found at about.me slash Gundam. There you will find links to us on iTunes, Facebook, YouTube, and our other media facets. After listening to Gundam, the next podcast you should be listening to is Chaos Theater, MAHQ's other podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom, hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ himself, Chris Guanche, and everybody's favorite pedal bear of the South, Pedro Cortez. Listen to them at chaostheater.blogspot.com. Shinjuku Station also has a podcast that focuses on fighting games called Fighters Ready, hosted by Gundam's own Solro Ryu and his co-host Nick the Stampede. Fight your way on over to fightersready.net where you can download episodes and join in on the conversation. And that's it for episode 132 of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Screen animation, it's now playing at theaters everywhere. Transformers, the movie. It's a startlingly original story that begins in the year 2005. Look, it's Unicron! A monster planet destroys everything in its path, while on Earth, Optimus Prime and Megatron battle to the death. It's over, Prime. It's a story that will surprise and shock even the most die-hard Transformer fans. Starring Leonard Nimoy and Judd Nelson with songs by Weird Al Yankovic and Stan Bush. Escape into fantasy this summer into the incredible rock and roll adventure. Transformers the movie. Don't miss it. Rated PG. It's now playing at theaters everywhere. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint.
That's me. Oh, hi, Dave. How you doing, Kathy? Why'd you call yourself Voltron? I don't know, maybe because it's super badass. You're weird. Hells yeah, I am.